Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 171 of RPG Digest. I am John Maxley Auschlow, trying not to cough while I do this introduction here. Your favorite curmudgeon, critic, judge, and COVID aficionado. Along with me, as usual, is the man who wrote the forward to the Necronomicon, Ex Mortis, Brett. Heathen Dog Grismer, how are you today, sir? I am about to cough. That's okay. You go ahead and cough. I'm well. And just to let you know that uh, the uh, third spell in the Necronomicon is COVID. So there you go. Nice. Not well, I mean, I've had it five times and I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a I've fan. I've had it once. It's the most <laughs> sick that I've been since the chicken pox back when I was 15 years old. Nice. That's, that's not a good time to get chicken pox. No, it was not a good no, time. No, it was not a good time. Actually, um, you know what? Uh, each time I had COVID, it got better. Oh, well, thanks. So, you know, that's something to look forward to, right? And when I got the shot, I got it the day after my birthday. I didn't want it on my birthday. I said, no, I'm not having that. The day after my birthday, I got it. I was laid up for three days from the vaccine. Yeah, I had the, I had the other vaccine. I had the, the two-shotter. And the first one didn't bother me at all. The second one, I think I was sick for a day or two. Mm. Yeah, I got the Pfizer one because, you know, I wanted one and done. Yeah, the thing no, no, I'm sorry, no, no, the uh, the uh, Johnson Johnson Johnson, 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 that was yeah. the one, Johnson Johnson one. Yeah, I got that one. It's not as good. Yeah, well, you know, I also got the booster, and that's when I got it four more times. So what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten. I got the first two that were kind of mandatory for the government. Other than that, yeah. no. Um, I remember being laid out for a week. <clears throat> if you remember, in the Air Force, you used to get that typhoid fever shot. Yeah, and uh, the first that was a, a two set. Of shots the first one didn't do too much to me but that second one laid me out for a week um and then i remember i was so scared when i had to go back like seven years later to get the shot again i'm serious man i was shaking i was sweating and i was like i don't want the shot i don't want the shot i don't want the shot like that thing messed me up i remembered it that many years later like no and like we got pills now like yes like yeah but you have to be very careful with these pills like why what just take them at the exact same time every day i'm like can do Yep. So I got alarms and shit. It's great. This is this science, bitch. I'm, I know. <laughs> it'd be great. Like, oh, so so there was that. There was chicken pox when I was 15. My brother had like two dots and he was like <laughs> for like a day. I was out for a week on that one also. Um and then well, I was uh, I, I was the recipient of the chicken pox party they used to do in the 70s. Yeah, and oh yeah. My mom threw me out all those. I just didn't get it. Oh, yeah, I did. But and well, I was like six or seven, so yeah, it was, it was easy peasy. I remember mom and mom telling me that when I was like six or seven. She's like, well, you're gonna have a different babysitter today. Why? Because somebody has chicken pox. <laughs> well, now now they have the vaccine. You just take the vaccine yeah. and you're OK. You know, I mean, but the, the, the vaccine does have a chance to give you the uh, what, what you have, your your ear herpes. What is that? Oh, uh, well, yeah, it basically what was a uh, herpes zoster um, uh, shingles. Shingles, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you still have a chance to get shingles, but it's it's apparently not as big as if you actually get chickenpox. Yeah, I had shingles in uh, on my birthday back when I was in Germany, like 2013 or 14 or whatever. I had shingles in this year, and like a year later, almost to the day, I got it in this year. And the first time I had it, it was like, uh, it's like, oh, my mom used to get earaches as a kid. I've never had an earache before in my life. This is weird. This is what it feels like. Well, it's very annoying, but you know, eh, whatever. My wife was getting concerned. She's like, earaches come with like discharge. You have no discharge. I'm like, so? It's like, no, that that can't be normal. Uh, you need to go to the doctor. You know how I am. I'm like, eh, I'll, I'm, I'm not dead yet, so I'm not going to the doctor. 
Um, so we decided to go to the doctor. My doctor chewed me out. You know, that German, that German stoicism. German chew, yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus being angry at the same time. Like, you could have had Bell's palsy. I'm like, I can't do German. So it gets weird. It was. It was like, I just, Brocken Deutsch, yeah, whatever. But uh, you know, he was he was all types angry with me that I didn't come in a couple of days prior. I'm like, it was just pain. What do you want? He's like, yeah, yeah. Pain tells you something. Like, yeah, pain is temporary. Pride's forever. Shut up. But, that that uh, actually reminds me. That actually reminds me. Uh, I think it was Friday before last week when we were supposed when we when you were sick and we couldn't have the show. I I got uh, I went on YouTube and on the on the front page it said, "Would you like to know? Would Would you like to see things that?" aren't in your feed i'm like sure i click it and i get this thing it says humans are space orcs now this <laughs> this is a reddit thing where uh, these people are writing reddit stories and just like a lot of reddit stories it got ported over to youtube as a ai voiceover right the idea of it is i i'm shocked i didn't think of it before the, everyone it's especially nowadays like the world is shit the the world is awful it's hard it's too hard oh to kill you the climate changes is, is gonna murder us there's tornadoes there's hurricanes there's typhoons there's earthquakes warn me i'll put some background music behind you when hang you on, say this <laughs> there's viruses there's diseases there's bacteria and then it took that idea it's like what if this world really is too hard especially you know you only know it when aliens come now, in all of our stories, aliens are above the top, almost deific creatures. They're demons, they're angels, they're giant monsters, they're Godzillas, they're uh, Cloverfield monsters. That's what we're afraid of. What if in reality, everyone else's planet was all freaking hunky-dory nice? And then they see us. We have gravity that's multiple times the the galactic sentient average we have diseases they've never even encountered or even heard about or thought about they they live on on like pastel planets that that if they have tectonic activity it's just ooh a little a little uh you know magic fingers bed right and they have no diseases they have no bad weather it took them 10 12 million years to evolve because they had no impetus to they're all herd animals Almost no predators make it make it to FTL, right? We'll fix that. There, that's exactly what happened when we got to the scene. They 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 saw us. They're like, we're a, we're like half as tall as everyone else, but we're three times as strong, twice as dense, immune to everything they've ever heard of, and we we grew up fighting each other so much that that their idea of war is at least a thousand years out of date for for our tactics. So uh, in, in a couple of the stories, they, they saw our planet. They talked to us. They're like, we got to no war. We're going to war. Before they get a foothold, we have to kill them. Obviously, it didn't work. Because, you know, it's stories written by people, right? So it didn't work. But that, that idea really resonated with me. Like, if this world really is shit, like, it's that bad, that, that means the other ones must be much better. In many of the stories, they have different classifications for world. The first one, the least offensive, is a paradise world. It is, it's all lush green. Uh, the the axis is straight up and down to the plane of the sun. So they don't have seasons. It's always spring. It's great. Things grow like and and uh for the entire year. 
And then there's the least, the least hospitable world. It's called a death world. Almost no sentient species come out of death world because the world literally kills them before they can, you know, leave their planet. Earth is classified as a death world class seven out of 10. <laughs> we could still do better then. No, no, no. It's, it, it's, it's the worst death world that ever had a sentient come out of it. Oh, That's okay. It's pretty funny. And if, if you look up YouTube and, and, uh, and type in humans are space orcs or humans are space elves, then you'll, it, you'll, you'll come up with some of the stuff. And it's, it's pretty interesting. And it's a funny read because, uh, um, all, all the other, all the other, uh, species are like, they, 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 uh, see videos of humans getting their arms blown off, picking up their arm and beating people to death with it. And uh, p- people getting gored, pulling out the the uh, the metal fragment or whatever, and continuing to fight. And the aliens in the classroom that is watching this, they're like vomiting. This is this is this is peak horror to them. And they're like, how can people do that? Well, they have adrenaline. They have all kinds of hormones that keep them alive in stressful situations. We don't have that. We never we never evolved that. We didn't need it. Our planets were relatively peaceful. So the amount of violence that that the average alien can bring to the table is literally the amount of violence a five-year-old or a 95-year-old human can bring. It's it's, it's And that's why they haven't made contact. Yeah, they look at us and go, oh my God. Nope, we don't want any of that. We don't need to uplift those bastards. Hopefully their planet kills them. So yeah, that was that was pretty fun. I read that throughout the week. You know, it was, it was pretty fun. Apparently, uh, people in chat are saying there's an anime. I'm not even going to try to read it. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> we've been gone for what two weeks? Yeah, I know you were available last week. I was I not. Uh, I couldn't even have sat here, uh, t- to be fair. And like I was telling Heathen Dog before the uh, before the stream started. I definitely have an upper respiratory tract infection now, so I, I've got a cough button, so you shouldn't hear me cough as long as I uh, remember. Oh. Yeah. But what uh, what it does do is it sometimes makes it so that I can't talk for over a minute because I'm just coughing or I have that, that tickle. Actually, it feels like a nail, like somebody took a nail and boom, right into my chest right there. Um, <clears throat> it happens every time I get a cold, flu, whatever, so I just need to go to the doctor tomorrow. Because you know, work's gonna love that. I've only been I've only taken seven sick days in a row, which is unheard of. Um, don't mind me, I'm gonna take an eighth, uh well, part of an eighth. But you know, if you're sick, you're sick and yep. some sort of max tickle. Yeah. That's what we call it now. Some sort of yes, yes. Um, but no, it's an upper respiratory tract infection, but uh, I get it every time now. And at first they were really cool about it, but apparently they got sick and tired of me getting this every time I got sick. So they started doing sleep studies on me and I guess telling heathen dog, they were giving me basically cough syrup, guafenicin. Like, no, I, it's an upper respiratory tract infection, you weirdos. I know I'm not a doctor, but all you have to do is put the stethoscope up there and hear the bubble, 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 bubble. And you're going to know that, <laughs> but, uh, because they so hate giving you z packs or, or antibiotics that much, cause you can become immune to them and, yeah. you know, get yourself, uh, all of a sudden you got a super bug and I get that, but this will last six months if they don't do something about it. So I will, hopefully my doctor tomorrow will uh, take me seriously. It's a free, it'd be the first time here in Alabama. So I should be okay. Hopefully. <laughs> It'll be the I mean, if, if not just shop urgent cares, it's only, it's, it's 75 bucks. 
for for urgent care and they'll they'll give you antibiotics so they'll, they'll listen to your chest and go okay because they they want to move meat they want to move you out and have you not come back yeah there's an urgent care like three blocks from me yeah see there you go i don't think my insurance covers it but no it's it's super cheap but there he is i was trying to talk and i couldn't um long-term pneumonia no i i just hope i don't get that long covid that people are talking about because a lot of people told me that after I got COVID, they're like, oh, you're going to relapse. Just so you know, you're going to relapse. I'm like, no, I'm not. And today's the first day that I'm kind of like, eh. Maybe I'm relapsing. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just that infection again. Or, well, the upper respiratory tract infection doesn't do much except for make me cough. Um, but yeah, right now I'm getting clammy and all that nonsense again. So we'll see. And I'm tired. But um, With that, what do we got to do today? We Today we are going to... Oh, actually, I want to ask you, did you play that new game, that Epic game yesterday? uh lost castle yeah yeah it sucks okay see i was gonna tell you that it sucked uh, and that if you don't have a controller it isn't worth trying and since real people who play pc games never use controllers because only uh queers and homos do that and yes i said that because you don't use a fucking controller if you play a pc game or you're a bad person and i don't care if you unsubscribe you're a bad person um that game was only playable with a controller when i got to the bosses that was like outside the bosses wasn't a big deal, but at the boss, if you wanted to, like when it was like shooting those little rocks down, if you wanted to adjust just right, you had to use a controller. And again, PC gamers don't use controllers. No. And uh, what I didn't, the, most of the games nowadays, they are uh, to me ab about as advanced as Contra. When I was a kid, I had time to spare to, to learn the patterns of the bosses, of the enemies, you know, how they, how they move, how they fire. I had time to do that. I ain't got time for that now. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to play two hours and and master one level. I don't. I don't have it. I'm sorry. I, I don't want it. You keep it. Yeah, I don't mind roguelikes, but I don't like uh, what's basically a platformer. Like I, I've never liked platformers. I, I know it's not technically a platformer, but uh, yeah. Um, but you guys have the the fun conundrum of like all four of you. None of you like the same type of game. No, I know. And L, why would you use a controller on this game? Because or a this fighting game, game. Does not use the mouse. You didn't use the mouse. Well, I used the mouse when I played, but I didn't play successfully at the, at the bosses. No, uh, the it it is it is uh, W A S D or the keyboard uh, arrows and uh, special attack, jump, and attack and super attack are space bars, jump, and the other ones are J K and L. I, I put those on my mouse. Yeah, <laughs> one, can, two, yeah, and three on, on my mouse. I, I have a regular mouse. I don't have a cool oh. gaming mouse. So that was, you know, yeah. that wasn't working. So, you know, I didn't use the mouse at all. And uh, I just, I, when I got to the first boss, I, I, I saw like, oh my God, he's got a pattern. Son of a bitch. I'm going to yep. die. Everyone's going to die because we, this is the first time we got here. So everyone's going to die because that, that's how Contra works. And that's exactly what happened. I was like, I ain't got time for this. And I quit. 45 minutes. I was done. The one thing cool about that game, though, <clears throat> that I will say, and it's like every roguelike, roguelikes, you're meant to die. Yeah. Like, because, you know, as you die, then you unlock things and so forth. And I know a lot of people don't like roguelikes. I like the roguelike as long as when you die, especially if as you move forward, you get something. I hate the roguelikes that have like checkpoints where until you cross this line again, you're never going to get anything new. No, F that. Because <laughs> you know, sometimes I just get lucky, you know. Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, I, I played that. Uh, the, what's the other game that they uh, 
that Epic had. Oh, that Doki Doki, whatever the fuck it is. Um, it had like 800 warnings for it. You know, normally I just get the free Epic game because it's Epic and I'm not going to give them any money, but I'll take their free shit. Um, but when I got, when I went to get the game, it's like, warning! Okay, whatever. And then when I went to download the game, it said, warning, really? No, you don't want to play this game if, if you meet these categories. And it's like, basically, if you have mental illness, if, uh, if you're young, you know, whatever, like all these things kept popping up. What? It's like, yeah, it just kept popping up. Like, don't play this game. I'm like, okay, the more you tell me not to play, <laughs> now I have to figure out why. I'm like, well, it's, it's on Epic, so it's not going to be a porn game. What the hell is going on with it? Oh, dude, it was a, it's one of those horrible um, visual novels. Oh, right. But, but right as I was about to quit, because I'm just spam clicking through. I don't care. <laughs> click, 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 Get me through all the dumb tech. Click, click. Um, I, I, you feel like you lost, because all of a sudden, one of the characters commits suicide, and you see her hanging from the ceiling. I was like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> you would have known if you'd read it. <laughs> Well, I, I I could read fast enough to get through that. Basically, uh, she's got depression. Well, that's what the game's about. The game is about mental illness. That's why it had all that warning. And oh, it's got okay. it's and it, but it has an interesting way. Like it slowly takes over. Like in this horror man. Like all of a sudden the text starts changing. Little things on the screen. I'm like, okay, you know what? Whoever put this together put it together really well. One it's of the simulating horror- you slowly losing your mind. Well, actually, no, you're watching the people around you losing their minds. <laughs> the, the girl that I was apparently macking on, she's like, I'm glad you love me. Took a knife. Went, cut, 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 cut. It's like, what the hell? She's like, yeah. And she's like laying on the ground. It's like, yes. I knew I'm glad that somebody loved me. I'm like, this game is awesome for a visual novel. <laughs> oh, but there's like some other background stuff that happens. Like the game kind of takes over like one of the characters becomes sentient and like deletes all the other characters and so forth. I was like, you know what? I hate visual novels. They're not games. They're just reading a computer screen as a, but you know, you know what? This one the made me laugh. Good. Yeah. This, this <laughs> one, this one made me laugh. It really just like, whoa, you shouldn't nice. be laughing at mental illness. They're cartoon characters. Shut yeah. Up. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's not real people. Shut your hole. But uh, today oh, we yeah. are going to talk about uh, magic. The books you get magic from and the spells that are in those books call of cthulhu seventh edition now this is the this is the uh most slippery slope way to lose sanity and become an npc magic hey the more you read books the more magic you get the more mythos knowledge you get and the the less sanity you end up having it's 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 horrible but you know the game is a horror game so it's on par with it would have been happened. perfect for what the game, <laughs> the Doki yeah. game. And then, uh, yeah, in segment two, I'll be covering uh, the Powers Unlimited book. There's number three right there. Uh, I'm going to be covering one and three together because those books are mostly powers. And they'll be covering two separately because it's less about powers and more about power categories. And in case you forgot, power categories in Heroes Unlimited are like the character classes. Uh, up front, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I thought that the second book was retarded. Okay. One and well, three we are we, we are going to look at the exceptional intelligence power, right? Because that is that is a very rare that uh, that you get a power that increases it, your intelligence. If you want, I wasn't. Nope, that isn't one that I had written down. But if you want, I was going to talk about that. But to, if you if you want to talk about that, we can bring oh, yeah, that up. Yeah, because I'm going to have you pick up pick a couple of powers. The segment is going to be kind of long because I'm going to look at a bunch of the powers that are just weird. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, I'm not going to read them word for word, but you know, we're going to sure. talk about some of them that are weird. Um, and then when it comes to the, I'm not going to talk about the, uh, the mega heroes, like the immortal. Yep. I'll show that it's in the book, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that in segment two, but we'll look at the other ones. And I definitely can't wait to hear Heathen Dog's opinion on the gestalt. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I know about that. No. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I, I won't spoil it for everyone. Okay. Huh. I wonder that, if there's a little spoiler in that reaction. You and your party are going to have to be really close. <laughs> that is true. What did I just do? Um, all right, let's get the uh, thingies on the screen, except for I'm not clicking anything that's correct. Oh, I have to do a thank you. Look at that. Say yeah. thank you. For, oh, by the way, for the folks, for the folks who won on Friday, uh, I have not sent out the emails yet. So I will do that hopefully today, but it's Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, we'll see. But uh, uh, you'll get the uh, you'll get the messages soon. So we have three new winners, uh, well five new winners because I also have two gift cards that were given out. All right, so back to this. Okay. So we want to thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to Legion Myth community as a whole. As like I was just mentioning, we have the we have the coughing. Um, here have Max's crap giveaway. Uh, three more gifts: uh, Dungeon World, Star Trek Revised, and uh, Paranoia Red Box or Red Clearance Edition. We're giving out. I've got three more that will be coming up soon. I know I've been kind of slow about those uh, giveaways, but look, man, there's a lot of stuff I'm giving away. It's just, it's it's coming up. Maybe it'll cover the six thousand subscriber giveaway too at that point. Uh, but uh, yeah, but it's your gracious donations that allow us to do these giveaways. And uh, I just did Legion Myth taxes and not by much, but we're in the black this year. Yeah. I saved, I saved a couple of ducats in order for me to start building a computer. Good job. Yeah. So anyway, um, where, where am I on this little thing? Oh yeah, it's your support and community. It's your support of us and the community. There we go. That allows these giveaways to happen. And also remember, Rumble's 100%. So if you're watching on the Rumble side or if you want to donate and make sure that all your money goes to us, not just uh, 70%, then you can donate over there on Rumble. So check the description below for links to various Legionist sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. And uh, I guess, guess we're ready for you. Yep, this is going to be it. Ladies and jackum, oops, nope. Ladies Try and jackum, what's a jackum? Ladies and jackum, <laughs> jack booted bastard. All right, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition Magic. That's right, we're going to talk about what magic. What is magic? How does it work? Why is it here? And is it really magic or is it just super science? Well, I guess it depends on your point of view. Let's start skewing your point of view right now. We welcome all people, regardless of background, belief, or identity, to play tabletop role-playing games. Let's engage our imaginations, pull a veil over reality, and immerse ourselves in fantastic worlds. Don't be a disruption at the table, and always remember, it's just a game. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. 
here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences. If you enjoy our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. Now, before Heathen Dog starts here, when he gets his Uh-oh. book up and running here, uh, Chris Preacherman said, uh, "Wish he it says he says I wish I could win." <clears throat> Look, I know that there are rules that certain people, especially like Quebecois and so forth, people have to uh, follow. Um, yeah, there's physical prizes, but I also make sure to give out some uh, gift certificates as well for folks. Like uh, the old geek, for example, he technically won the uh, um, the paranoia game. <laughs> The old geek, he should know better than this. And if you're not subscribed to the old geek, go check him out. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm not mailing stuff to the UK. It's just not happening. So he'll get a gift card. We actually did that one time to what was it, Scotland? Yeah, no, oh yeah, yeah, to Scotland. Yeah. Not doing that again. It was fifty bucks extra to send it, and he had to spend fifty bucks to pick it up. It oh, that's crazy. right, because he had he had to pay some sort of like imp, uh, like import tax or yeah. fee or whatever. So yeah. it ends up not being free. He, it would actually actually would have been less money if he had bought it from Amazon or some crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, okay. I, you know, I really thought about it because I really like the old geek. But long story short, so that he did not get to a segment here, um, is that uh, I, look, that's up to you. If you live in Quebec and you don't want to win a, uh, uh, a gift certificate, I'm not going to tell you to do anything illegal. That's for sure. At the same time, I don't pay attention. So if it's a gift certificate, it's, you know, to Palladium Books or to Drive Through RPG or something, I just send it to your email address and whatever happens from there happens. There it is. Who got the Star Wars books? I'll tell you right now. Um, why is this in the middle of my segment? Why, why can't it be between Because your book wasn't up. There we go. Uh, Gaming with ADHD did. Okay. Who's a good supporter of the channel. So, you know, that, okay. that kind of worked out. So, all right. All right. Now we're going to talk magic. about some magic. What magic. is magic? What does it do? Why is it good? Why is it bad? How do you how do you learn it? Well, we're going to find that out today. First, we're going to start off with. Nope, we're doing this. There it is. Zooming in. See, he's had two weeks off. Let's see if we can figure out the PDF now. Yeah, I got this. (laughs) All right. The magic of the Cthulhu mythos stems from the unfathomable alien intelligences that reside outside of humanity's ability to comprehend. What may be the pinnacle of science can easily be interpreted as magic by the ignorant. What is certain is that those who delve into such matters rarely come away unchanged, usually for the worse. Manipulating time and space is not a thing to be done lightly, and there can be grave consequences for those investigators who dabble in things that should best be left alone. Okay, come on. You can't say that. I just did. <laughs> and I, I stand by it. The world, the, the, the entirety of the world is being overrun by evil cults and magic. And I, but don't touch it. Fight fire with fire, baby. That's, nope. <laughs> Mythos magic is variable and was not tightly defined by H.P. Lovecraft. Each occurrence of magic serves a particular story rather than fitting some consistent overarching structure. However, some generalizations can be made. Mythos magic is traditional in scope, centering on perilous summoning of horrible entities and the desperate manipulation of amicable forces. Spells are formally constructed. One wrong word or gesture can disrupt the spell at best or cause it to go horribly wrong at worst. Few mythos spells can be performed quickly, with many requiring exacting conditions as well as lengthy rites and ceremonies. 
Each spell must be studied and learned, often requiring the investigator to spend long hours poring over cryptic manuscripts and ancient books of lore. We're going to get into that later on today. Though rare for investigators, cultists and sorcerers may be taught spells by their fellows or even granted magical visions, knowledge, and spells through abhorrent communication with dark gods of the Cthulhu mythos. Parker Brothers Ouija Board. There it is. Investigators wishing to find a fast track for learning spells are more likely to find a one-way ticket to an asylum, their minds broken and sanity destroyed. So in this paragraph right here, we've talked about at least two ways that you can learn magical spells. Pour over the tomes that you find during gameplay or link yourself to an ancient entity and he'll just poor magical knowledge into your idiot human brain now you know that definitely sounds more fun yeah here's the time to read when when we were talking about sanity several weeks ago the this uh this analogy was brought up and i really like it think of your brain as an inflexible container all of the human knowledge you have is is say water filling that container mythos knowledge is oil it's more real, it's more complex, it's more dense. When you start adding in mythos knowledge, the first thing to go is what? The water. Your humanity leaves your brain because your brain cannot expand. It's a glass. You pour in the oil, the water starts spilling over the top. Sooner or later, there's going to be no water left. Sanity zero. That's what happens. Spells must be approached warily, since often their costs and effects are initially unknown to the spellcaster. Yeah, uh, j- just like uh, uh, Doctor Strange said in the in the, his first movie, the warnings should be before the spells, but they usually come after. So that's it's not great, or in this case, absent whatsoever. For investigators, mythos magic can be a dangerous trap. For in using it, investigators lose sanity points and gain mythos knowledge, becoming more like those they whom the whom they seek to defeat excuse me mythos magic bewilders shocks disorients and debilitates its human practitioners mankind was not meant to know such things and with enough exposure the psychic and physical contradictions involved in using magic drives humans insane think about it this magic is not really magic you're altering space and time for an effect the universe allows this because it's really how the universe works, but our human brain cannot comprehend the reasoning behind it. The more we use it, our unconscious mind rebels and starts fracturing because it shouldn't work. This is, this should not be real. It doesn't fit into the human paradigm of reality. We're, we are too, uh, I don't know. Um, we are not evolved enough to handle this knowledge safely. Our brains can't handle it. We need to get elastic brains. <laughs> Investigators will mostly experience magic from the outside sources, either by being the target or by witnessing the effect of spells cast by someone else. An investigator rarely becomes a mage since the requisite knowledge and experience usually leads to madness first. <laughs> you know, madness during you know, probably, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Whenever investigators gain much by knowing the magic of the mythos, they often risk much when attempting to use it. Spells learned while playing published scenarios may prove useful only in the course of that single adventure. 
Consequently, though all players are invited to study this chapter, it is only keepers who will benefit most from it when planning adventures and creating suitably objectionable adversaries. Suitably objectionable adversaries. It's almost like the game wants you to go insane. Oh, wait, it does. <laughs> That's funny. Now we're going to look at what is magic. After World War I, astronomers confirmed that the 30 or 40,000 light years of easily observed stars nearest to us comprised only a minor corner of the universe. There was not one Milky Way, as astronomers had once believed, but rather thousands and millions of galaxies, most so faint and so distant that the truth of the nebulae had long been argued but never before solved. The notion of island universes, galaxies as we now say, was a bombshell. In the 1920s, humanity's perception of the unbounded universe true size increased by orders of magnitude. Writing as such discoveries took place, Lovecraft gradually evolved a background myth incorporating such discoveries and added some flavorings from Einstein and Planck. These new universes, so he appears to have speculated, were truly islands. Their separation included their natural laws. Isolated by hundreds of thousands or millions of light years, the stuff of life could differ wildly. Very quickly, these islands also took on a Romanian association of existing or being connected to other dimensions. So Lovecraft's idea, it seems, was that each galaxy had slightly different physical laws. They were made up of different things. They evolved in a different way. I mean, it's probably not true, but especially in the 1920s, almost anything about this was possible. So that's what he wrote about. The magic of the mythos is the unifying logic of this universe of universes. Magic works everywhere. It models and defines the greater reality. It is the ultimate expression of natural law, the will of the outer gods made palpable, and the arbiter of time, space, and matter. Like I said, its science is just so advanced to us that it's incomprehensible and seemingly magic. In comparison, earthly science and religion seem of little avail. Apparently, we understand far less than we flatter ourselves as knowing. Is imperfection in what we believe or in how we have come to believe it? Perhaps there is a poverty in our souls or our mathematical equations that forestalls ultimate knowledge and revelation. The mythos mocks human pretensions. Wow. All right, let's move on to mythos tomes. We're going we're gonna to touch on it more later, but this is uh, uh, quick and dirty type deal. In Lovecraft stories, the protagonist usually learns mythos magic by finding and following written instructions. The volumes of arcane lore mentioned by the Lovecraft circle of writers represent the intellectual invasion of the mythos. In particular, these ancient manuscripts and suppressed publications include recipes for the admission or return of the great old ones and the outer gods as described in vivid detail in Lovecraft's classic story, The Dunwich Horror. At least by implication, such writings also indicated how to force away or dispel those dreadful entities. It takes time to learn, even from textbooks that have been carefully written and specially laid out just for that purpose. Now remember, these, these tomes aren't, aren't teaching you the science behind the magic. They're teaching you the rote incantations and and uh, circles and sacrifices necessary to make an effect happen. 
you don't know how or why this happens. You just know it works. And your brain rebels against that every waking moment of your well, every moment of your life. Because even when you're asleep, it can get weird. The present-day apparatus of scholarship does not exist in such books. There are no indices, no glossaries, no table of contents, and no careful definitions. There may not be a numbered pages, chapters, paragraphs, punctuations, even breaks between words. Remember, people writing this down are probably insane. So if you want clear, decisive writing, don't go to the madman down the street. Not a good plan. There may some tomes might best be described as the ravings of a madman. Exactly. Yet to the seeker of dark knowledge, such texts hold wondrous insights and power. And this is the rub we're going to get into when we actually talk about the, the cost of reading a tome. In earlier editions, you had to read a tome twice. The first time oh, really? was to breeze through it to categorize it in a way that you can understand and comprehend. The next time is actually studying it. Does that mean I do sanity twice? Yeah. Before you even learn a spell. You, you get to choose to lose a little insanity for or a little sanity first to decide if you want to lose more insanity later. Exactly. You know, you, you dip your toe in. You're dipping your toe in acid. You're going to get burned. But it's, you know, if you don't, if it, this pool doesn't have what you want, it's best not to jump in right away. That's what I'm saying. Many manuscripts are not even in a known alphabet. Some are older than time, in languages long lost. Others are written in occult ciphers to stymie witchfinders or the Inquisition, and now it must be cracked before the would-be reader can ponder the sinister truths they conceal. Remember, madmen are very secretive. Even though they're writing down a step-by-step -step instruction on how to summon ancient beings from another planet, they may make their own cipher. And it's a cipher made by a madman. It's not going to be entirely logical, right? It's going to be hard to decipher. It's going to take a minute. And you may have to be the special kind of crazy to actually crack it. Who knows? All right, let's uh, move on to... Uh, we're actually really getting into... Uh, something I really didn't want to really get into, but apparently can you skip it for now and, and come back to it? Cause I know that's what your second topic is. Yeah. Is the second topic is actual books and this is, we're just in it. Oh, using magic. Here we go. Using magic. Now, what, once you get a book, once you get some spells, you're going to have to know how to power them and how that works. And this is what is going to happen. Just one question, because I, again, I know how these are supposed to be broken up. It's supposed to be general use of magic, then the tomes, and then spellcasting. Right. This isn't going to lead into spellcasting, is it? It should not. No. Increasing the mythos skill, we, uh, skill widens the horizons of the student, but chips away at mental reserves. Remember, you start with zero Cthulhu mythos skill. The more you learn about the mythos, the higher that skill gets. And sure, it has a benefit, which means if you come across a mythos thing, whether it be creature, spell, tome, whatever, you now have a chance to roll to recognize it before you read it. That's great. The downside, the rub, is that every time you get a percentage point in the mythos, in the mythos skill, your maximum sanity goes down by one. You literally cannot be as sane as you could have been if you didn't know these things. Because, like I said, 
the mythos knowledge is pushing human knowledge out of your brain. Not just human knowledge, but human feelings, human interactions. Like maybe you you learn you learn five spells from a tome. That's great, but now you don't love your mom anymore. The mythos, the mythos hormone replaces your normal hormone. There you go. Right. Or, you know, you, you no longer care about strange children. It's a common human condition to protect children, but you just don't care anymore. You're not sure why. Well, I know. And now you do too. Magic points. Magic points must in the, it says most cases, almost all cases be expended to cast spells as well as to energize artifacts, power magical gates, and so on. An investigator begins the game with magic points equal to one-fifth his or her power. However, cultists and powerful sorcerers often have larger pools of points with to draw. This is either from ritual sacrifice or pooling their magic together in a ritual ceremony, stuff like that. Once an individual is out of magic points, any further expenditure is deducted directly from hit points. <laughs> you're not done it's just now it's gonna hurt any such loss of hit points will manifest as physical damage in a form chosen by the keeper perhaps sores or cuts opening the body skin blistering blood running from the eyes or ears whatever the keeper decides is appropriate or gruesome at the time and all you can do is say okay that happened spending or sacrificing magic points or points of power take only the will of the owner Doing so may leave sensations of pleasure mingled with regret, a numbness of the soul, or may not be noticeable at all. The spell's <laughs> caster essence yeah, or energy is channeled into powering the spell. Some magical attacks leech magic points or power from unwilling targets. In these cases, loss may be characterized as being painful or as leaving a headache or other minor symptoms. Involuntary loss of 10 power would be strong sensation rather than losing the same amount of magic points. If magic points reach zero, the investigator deducts further magic points from hit points. We already know that. Regeneration of magic points is a natural function, returning to one magic point per hour, two per hour for those with a power over 100, probably not going to be a player character, three if a power of 200 or more, definitely not going to be a player character. The number of magic points cannot regenerate to a value above one-fifth of the character's maximum power. So usually that's going to be 3d6. So you're going to get an average about 10 or 11. We'll say 11. And uh, you, you mult and then you for your power stat, you multiply that five, but you take that 11 and just move it over to magic points. Boom. Most people are going to start with around 11 magic points. Which is usually enough to cast definitely one spell, maybe even two or three, depending on the ones that you cast. And we're going to get to that later today. Magic points lost as hit points are healed according to the rules for wounds and healing. Healing of hit points and regeneration and magic points can occur concurrently. So if you dip into your hit points because you ran out of magic, great. They're going to they're both going to heal at the same time. You don't have to wait until your hit points get up before your magic starts healing again. No, it's fine. Same time. Were a character to obtain magic points of a quantity greater than one-fifth of his or her power, these could be spent, but the excess could not be regenerated. So you can use your body as a battery. You can get like five, six, you know, Cuban children's sacrifices out of the way and store a hundred magic points in your body. You're not going to regenerate anything over one-fifth of your power, but hey, you're juiced up for now, right? Why do and people we get play this game? Learning spells. We're, we are not going to talk about learning spells right now. 
casting spells, no failing a pushed. Okay, pushed rolls. I'm not a fan of, but it's here. Well, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that happens with magic. Oh yeah, becoming a believer. Okay, this is something we probably want to look at. Is that a journey song. <laughs> Don't stop, Cthulhu wing. An investigator who comes face to face with a deep one or a ghoul has an experience that leaves no option but to believe in the cosmic horror of the mythos. However, reading the Cults de Guels while safe in an apartment with the lights on, the reader might dismiss the contents as a work of fantasy. This is the player's prerogative, but disbelief has its perils. Whether one believes what is read or not, the knowledge is still absorbed. If the character chooses not to believe what is read, then the mythos knowledge granted by the book is added to the investigator's skill, and maximum sanity points are reduced by the corresponding amount, but no sanity points are lost. In this way, an investigator can can accumulate considerable knowledge of the mythos without losing sanity points at all. Just have to disbelieve, huh? Exactly. However, when encountering evidence of the mythos firsthand, the investigator will realize that all those damn books held the truth. At this point, the investigator becomes a believer and immediately loses sanity points equal to his or her present mythos score. So if you think this is going to be some kind of, you know, back alley workaround, it's not. It's a Band-Aid. It's going to get ripped off someday the first time you see a ghoul or a mummy or a, or a shambling mound or whatever. And then you're going to lose all that sanity at once. And as we all know, losing lots of sanity at one time is a bad time. You're going to go indefinitely insane. You're probably going to pee yourself and run away or kill yourself and rock in the corner. So for the rest Peeing of your myself life. is the least of my concern. <laughs> yeah. At least if your concerns is peeing yourself, but yeah, something bad is going to happen. It's going to happen for a long time. Keepers may be relieved that this requires little bookkeeping on their part. The player records their investigators gain of mythos skill as normal. And it is that value that is deducted from their sanity points when becoming a believer. An investigator can choose to remain a non-believer until forced to lose sanity points for encountering the mythos firsthand. Viewing human corpses or torture may cause sanity point loss, but such loss does not lead to belief in the mythos. I spoke to this when we talked about sanity several weeks ago. You can lose sanity by watching a horrific event. The mass slaughter of the elderly and children right in front of you where the blood spatters on your face. You are going to lose sanity for that, but it is not mythos sanity that you're losing. So it's not going to activate this pent up mythos skill. Non-believer may read books and learn, but not cast spells. First-hand experience of the mythos always calls for a sanity roll and the loss of one or more points. One or more points. Oh, that was it. Compel an investigator to believe in the mythos. However, even some first-hand experiences may not convince a disbeliever. If a sanity roll is passed for an encountering a deep one, sanity zero if you make it, or 1d6 if you fail, no sanity points are lost, and such, an investigator might remain a non-believer. Perhaps rationalizing the creature as a human mutation or someone in a Scooby-Doo outfit or whatever. (laughs) It's whatever you as a player want to put a spin on it to make it terrestrial, to make it normal. You can just say it. It's just a trick of the light. There you go. Trick of the light. An investigator can become a believer at any point the player wishes and take the sanity point loss. Okay, good. You don't have to wait. (laughs) 
you can decide, okay, I've, I've held this off long enough. My character now believes. Boom. Take your sanity hit like a man. Hopefully it was between adventures and you can get some therapy or something, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get weird. It's going to get weird. How sorcerers get that way. <laughs> like it's a disease. Exactly. How, how brain leprosy happens. Well, this is it. Though investigators rarely have the chance, sorcerers and cultists sometimes swagger around with unseemly amounts of power. Where did this come from? When a character successfully casts a spell requiring an opposed power roll to affect the target, this creates a chance for the caster's power to increase through this exercise. If the caster wins an opposed roll, a subsequent roll to increase his or her power may be attempted. If the result is a 1d100 roll is greater than the caster's current power, or if it's just 96 or greater in general, the caster's power increases by 1d10 points permanently. So, wow. yes, your power attribute, and so by extension, your maximum magic point total can be increased through using some spells. That's not a death spiral at all, is it? No, that's fine. The more magic you use, the more sanity you lose, but the better you, the much better you are at casting magic. So you cast more, so you lose more sanity, so your power gets, you're even better. Okay, see, you see that? I like it. I'm in. Let's do it. It's feeding off itself. As a reward for any luck roll result of 01, power can be said to have been exercised. Roll the oh my god, a failure of a luck roll can increase your power. That's how bad it is. A critical luck failure increases another stat. You think, oh my god, that doesn't sound right. No, it's right. It's right. The game wants you to use magic, the game wants you to become less human. Incentives abound. Character may be able to arrange a gift of or a trade for power from some mythos deity. The rationale for this is best left to the keeper. Such an event is likely to increase mythos uh, skill as well and would cost an additional sanity point besides those lost in communicating with said entity. Increasing power does not increase current sanity points. You don't get that. Doesn't happen. Other skills when you get a certain level, you get sanity points for becoming a master of a certain skill. We're not going to give you that for power because that's just ridiculous. Non-mythos magic. But wait, magic? Human magic? No, apparently so. Other earthly magic or, re or religio religiosity, that could have been a different word, can be significant and can have effects in a game if the keeper wills it. Such earthly magic, with a K, may be real or fraudulent. This is for the keeper, or perhaps a discussion of the group, to determine. Mechanics and procedure for such magic should be the same as those for mythos magic, though the means and aims of earthly magic will greatly differ. If non-mythos magic is accepted into your game, it is suggested that you tie it to the occult skill. Horrific deeds should always cost sanity. Uh, you know what? As, as somebody who, in the 90s, I was all into that and whatnot, yeah. I think it's dumb to add it to this game. I understand. It, re it really cheapens what what the intent of magic is. I get it. I get it. And you're right. That's why it's completely up to the keeper to add earthly magic. All right. Uh, I also think that it would that it could confuse people too. It's like, wait a minute, not all magic is bad. Some magic is good. Crap. Now, now we have to decide: is this good stuff or bad stuff? Right. Now we have some optional rules here, which I'm not going to get into optional rules right now. 
If you want to, you can get the book and read it yourself. But spontaneous use, uh, spontaneous use of the mythos skill, that, that sounds like uh, something that you would do against your will, like the keeper would make you have an effect, and I don't like that. Uh, knowledge of the mythos not only allows a character to learn and cast spells, also someone to improvise magical effects akin to spells. Okay, improvising magical effects, that's... No, I don't want that. It's called magic. <laughs> and that And that's it. That's that's your general magic. Next, we're going to go into the books. Where the magic comes from. This is where you learn it. 99.99% of the time, you're going to learn these With things. Wonderful tomes. From wonderful, wonderful tomes written by people who are, by definition, batshit crazy. That's only because you don't understand, sir. That is a fair assessment. So yes, right. what do we have for? We uh, have we have no comments, so we're no just going to go to like, like, subscribe, and share, and uh, get uh, ready for you in that next uh, next topic. Okay. As soon as uh, I mash the ad, I'm stepping away for a minute. I've got some pretty bad storms I'm hearing outside that I wasn't expecting, so just want to make sure everything's cool. Uh, oh, this. All right, can't wait to hear about tomes. Whenever you are ready. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. Today we're going to talk about magic tomes. You hear a lot about the mythos, magic, and altering reality, changing time and space. Yes, and how do people learn how to do it? Most of the time, from books, from other people who decided, you know what? I should write this down because this could be helpful to somebody else. It's not. Spoiler alert, it's just going to drive you crazy. Role-playing games thrive in fantastic worlds and at inclusive tables that embrace these core values for the most positive gaming experience. Donate to the Wounded Warrior Project via the link in the description below to help, honor, and empower our wounded heroes. On Thursdays and Saturdays, watch Heathen Dog's Dirty Casuals play multiplayer video games over on Twitch. On Sundays and Fridays, join us for tabletop role-playing game content on both YouTube and Rumble. Finally, please take a quick moment to like this video and share it with both your friends and on social media. If you have not done so, please subscribe to Legion of Myth and activate that bell icon to receive notifications of new content. All right, welcome everyone. Today we're going to talk about the tomes, the grimoires what you can do to get magic for your very, very own and gain knowledge of the Cthulhu mythos while you're doing it. Maybe you can summon this guy. It's going to be a bad time. Let's find out what tomes are and what do they do. Oops, a little too far. All right. Mythos tomes are the repositories of arcane wisdom, terrible secrets, and powerful magic. They provide the seeker of enlightenment, with stark truths about reality, existence, and the presence of those from outside. Outside of what? Outside reality, man. Outside of the reality you understand. For the unwary, such books delineate a path to nightmare, horror, and insanity. This chapter summarizes the books of the mythos most often mentioned in the fiction of Lovecraft Circle of Writers. So we're going to get in some tomes examples. That's what we're doing. Describing mythos tomes. Some mythos volumes are recent enough in origin to have been printed with movable type. 
These editions were usually published privately in short press runs and only sold to rich collectors or acquaintances. Upon publication, copies often were sought out and destroyed by the authorities due to their scandalous nature. Remember, inside these books are uh, recipes for being a monster. So trying to publish it, especially in the, in the you know, between 1100 and 1500 AD, you are going to have the church all up in your business. So, yeah, that's what happened. Where surviving copies exist, these have often been ill-treated by the crazed or malicious or else rebound to disguise their blasphemous contents. Bound manuscripts were never regularized by typesetting and printing, and their wavering, blotted handwriting may be wholly incomprehensible for pages at a time. A situation remedied only by great dedication and scholarship. That's where the study comes in. You have to read this thing so carefully and so many times that you... The sanity loss is just almost immeasurable. Even through each book's summary is uniform in these rules, assume that a copy of a mythos book can be different from its fellows. Though the logic of a potential diminishes for recent books, such as Azathoth and others, even then bindings may be broken, pages torn out, and signatures missing or wrongly collated. Contents may be ink-stained or acid-scarred, with pages half-burnt, and the words made ineligible or utterly defaced by madmen or by the same men who sought to destroy the dangerous information in the first place. Unique information may be written as it, written in the margins or jotted down on a notepaper and inserted here or there. So, like I said, this is written by a crazy person, held by a bunch of crazy people before you. And annotated it, it, by more crazy people. Yeah, it's going to get weird, man. It's going to get super weird. Some tomes begin to possess their own character as they grow in age. Passed down through the generations between family members, booksellers, and collectors, the tomes seem to absorb an imprint of their owners. This can be more than simply a wandering uh, marginalia, I hate that word, of occult scholars with some books apparently manifesting distinct personalities that echo once powerful owners, such as grand sorcerers and cult potentates. Consider the smell, feel, and look of mythos books the overall impression ought to be distinctly unhealthy some of them are in human skin and written in human blood this is a bad time it's showing you how evil it is and yet you still want to read it something wrong with your brain man something wrong with you well i don't want that human who gave up his skin to die for nothing yeah yep that's that's the way you think about it. all right the overall impression ought to be distinctly okay. The binding will probably be leather, perhaps human, or even some other otherworldly being. Could be a, a shrieker, a shambler, whatever. Does the leather have a slimy residue when touched? Does the book leave a musky odor wherever it's been? Does the presence of the tome cause the pages of other nearby books to char and blacken? Perhaps the book appears to move of its own accord, never to be found where the investigator remembers placing it. This is all okay. So. I'm going to go on a limb and say most sorcerers are stupid white people. Why do I say this? Because in every horror movie, the first act is the, the, uh, the cursed object or place is slowly ramping up. It's, it's horror factor doing things, making something bleed that wasn't there. Uh, furniture moving of its own accord. White people are the people who stay. Have you been to Haiti? Every other race of people, they get out. 
<clears throat> immediately they leave. You've seen Poltergeist. Knowing what I know now, I would have left after the first little shake. I'd be like, no, I'm out. Thanks a lot. But you bought this new house. It's a loss. Whatever. That might be true here, but if you go to a lot of the Caribbean nations, they got some creepy, creepy, creepy people. Yeah, fair enough. Sorcerers and cultists are not librarians. They are unconcerned with the needs of posterity. They intend to live forever and they consider the knowledge contained within their tomes to be theirs by right and not to be lightly passed to the unworthy undiscovered editions this is a good one if an original language version is found of a work that until then was known only in translation then the original version is more informative add a few percentiles to the mythos skill reward treat the original <laughs> edition as another edition the keeper chooses the book's original language and can make it up make up its title in that languages as well if you create a new mythos tome for some purpose you should have a suitable name for it know the language of its composition know what it looks and feels like and how many sanity points are lost in reading it know how many mythos points its comprehension adds and be able to determine what spells if any can be found within okay here's the thing let's say you find a greek version of a mythos tome and Funny enough, you you read Greek, so you can read it. You could translate that to English to have other people who can't read Greek know about the wondrous new reality in this book. You can do that. It will be a lesser version. It will give a little less knowledge, maybe have one or two less spells, but at the same time, cost less sanity to read. So the opposite is also true. You find an older edition, it's better. You make a new edition, it's worse. But now it's more readily available for the masses. Good for you. Spreading the love. That's probably a great idea. Using mythos tomes. Despite the dangers, investigators will choose to study this or that terrifying book. Not me. The process of reading can be leisurely and can be suspended at any point for as long as need be. Consider that each book is a potential conduit of mythos power and energy, a physical and mental portal to the madness of secrets beyond the reasoning of mortal man. Books of power may exert a dark influence on those who possess them, stoking their desire for blasphemous knowledge, kindling a fascination for the occult, and ultimately driving the owner to delve deep into the mythos and court insanity. In many Lovecraftian stories, the protagonist is thrown headfirst into the horrors of the mythos as a result of some mythos artifact or tome. Just got to have more, man. Exactly. I mean, after a couple books, it's Pokemon time. You got to catch them all. <laughs> Akin to spells, mythos tomes can unbalance a game if used too freely. Such books are a conduit for the Cthulhu mythos, knowledge, and spells, providing the investigators with a potential source of great power in combating the machinations of the mythos. I disagree. I disagree. I think that that, that is a trap. And what the reality is, is no, you are just trying to kill that character. Fair enough. If everywhere the investigators turn, they find a mythos tome, then the game can become predictable and the challenge lessened. And those okay. characters soon gone out of the game. Exactly, yes. Obtaining a mythos book could be a scenario in itself, or at least a suitably dangerous sidetrack to a campaign, allowing the investigators to gain secrets that help them in their quest against the minions of the mythos. 
This power and knowledge indeed comes at a price. In Call of Cthulhu, this usually means an increasing descent into madness. While players will desire to gain Mythos books, they should also fear them due to the terrible sanity-depleting effect they will have on the investigators. Investigator possession of a Mythos tome should always carry a consequence. This may simply be the cost in sanity, as described above, or some other story-related consequences. Think about it. You have a book, and it is it is a book of knowledge that has merit. It has it has a potential to be powerful. Monsters and cultists are going to be after it as well. the The danger is not just in understanding and reading the book. The danger is holding it. You are now a target for all these other folks, all these other groups that want what you have. True power. And they'll kill you to get it. Uh, the investigator possession of a mythos tome should always carry out to that. Try to devise corrupted investigator background entries that drive the story forward. Think about how the investigator's relationship with the mythos tome could be manipulated to compel the game's narrative. Add further depth to the investigator and suggest role-playing opportunities to the player concerned. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, use the book, number one, sparingly. As a keeper, bring out Mythos Tomes sparingly. But when they do come out in gameplay, not only are they going to be a font of knowledge that is going to be useful for the adventure or scenario that they are on, but it is also going to be a thorn in their side at all times. Someone is going to want it. The book itself could try and lose itself like Sauron's Ring of Power so someone else can pick it up. All of this is doable. Remember, as a keeper, your imagination is key for this. Use it. Uh, the Mythos Tome in question is as a smelly, evil-looking book. The investigator who has become corrupted by it will see it in quite a different light. An investigator may feel compelled to hide the book away in case it gets hurt. Or perhaps the deluded investigator cannot read another book without the tome's text burning through the print. This is a very, very Smeagol slash Golem situation. The precious must be kept safe. All right? You start acting like that. Yeah. People are going to eventually have to put you down. <laughs> Possible corrupted investigator background entries. The tome is a source of secrets I must know. I must learn more. No one is allowed to touch my book. The book speaks to me and I must obey. The book is evil and so am I for reading it. Whenever I put the book, wherever I put the book, it kills anything near it. This could be children, plants, elderly, whatever. Doesn't matter. And then guess what? That's your fault too. You're going to lose sanity for that. I'm going to put that thing hanging on my front door. Anyone who, any, no, that's not a good <laughs> thing. You're going to go through a lot of mail people. All right. Whenever I put the book, the book is changing me. I hunger for human flesh. That mm. obviously is an extreme one, nom, but nom, there nom, are nom, some nom. books in this here that are extreme. Now we're going to go over what happens when you get a book and read it. All right. First, we have a key. This is, this is uh, how the books are going to be categorized. Strongest to least strongest, most potent to least potent. This is the metric on which that is graded. Sandy loss. Automatic sanity loss for reading the tome. This is what happens when you read it. You lose this much. Could be zero. Could be 100. We don't know. Depends on the book. 
Mythos skill. First number shows the Cthulhu Mythos points gained from initial reading, CMI. Second number shows Mythos points gained for a full reading, CMF. And we're going to go back to page 174, 175 in a second so I can show that to you. Mythos rating. Percentage chance for finding a useful reference within the tome. We're going to get to that. Study. Suggested time required to conduct a full reading of the tome. It takes time, but you are used to it because investigating takes time as well. Normal library use to run down, you know, uh, leads and stuff. It takes time. Suggested spells. A list of possible spells to be found within the tome. So let's go back to page 174 and we can see what it is we're talking about when we go to partial study and full study. Initial reading. There we go. Let me do that. Okay. So the first step is just to look at the cover and say, huh, this book feels warm to the touch. Maybe I shouldn't open it. Well, Maybe you know. You there you go. Uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The next step, beyond looking at the cover, reading the title, if it has one that can be read, and determining the language in which the book is written, is to make an initial reading. To continue the analogy used above, this is where the investigator is exposed, ooh, I hate that word, to the fire within. An initial reading can be swift and may represent the reader only having skimmed the book sufficient to gain some insight regarding its contents, or it may be a cover-to-cover -cover speed reading. In addition, reading can take as much time as the keeper wishes. This may be minutes, hours, days, or weeks, depending on how the keeper wants to shape the story. And the, I imagine the particular book, how dense it is, is going to uh, add to the amount of time, according to the keeper. Whether a reading role is called for is up to the keeper who may choose to grant automatic success to anyone with a modicum of skill in the appropriate language. Oh, they're going to make it easier for you. The keeper wants to make it easier for you. So you go insane much quicker. To make a reading roll, the player makes an appropriate language skill roll on D100. The keeper decides on a difficulty level for the reading of the book based upon its age, form, and condition. Remember, if it's got a lot of missing pages, if it has a lot of uh, uh, smudged ink, if it's if it has pages in the wrong order, then it's going to be a hard or extreme difficulty level. A book printed within the last century and in good condition would be a regular difficulty. A work that is likely to be of hard difficulty level if it's handwritten, especially if it's old. The most challenging of ancient moldering tomes containing a mix of print and handwritten annotation would be extreme difficulty level. If the investigator fails the reading role, they perhaps get some inkling as to the content of the book, but have failed. Is that even? Yep. I think it's going to be on the next page, yeah. Or next column. Next column, yeah. Failed to comprehend it. No sanity points are lost and no mythos skill is gained. The player may ask to push the roll, but must justify doing so perhaps staying up all night reading or using reference books as an aid or study, or in uh, actually any time you fail a mythos book reading role, if you want to take mind-altering substances and read it again, I'll let you push the role every time. Every time. The player may ask, oh, I did that already? Okay. Table 11, mythos tomes, we're going to go back to it, indicates the mythos skill points and sanity point loss for each tome. Each tome has two values showing how many mythos skill points are given for initial reading and for full study. 
Once the investigator has the main initial reading, the keeper must should reward them with the initial reading number. This reader now automatically loses the sanity point of the tome. No sanity roll is made. You just lose it. Non-believers do not make the sanity loss, but don't worry. As we know, it's coming. This book's stupid. It's a bunch of BS. Exactly. Until it's not. As well as gaining mythos skill and losing sanity points, the initial reading also allows the reader to learn about the contents of the book and gain some idea of what spells might contain. The reader will also have a clear idea of how long it will take to complete a full study of the book. Okay, and here's the full study. And we don't have to read it. it the, the, the full study is the second sanity loss and the second mythos skill gain. Plus, now you probably have a really good idea of the spells that are contained within. I'm going to skip to that area because that's something we want to really know about. But I thought you said that was bad. Well, you guys are going to want to know about it, not me. Huh? I don't want that nonsense. Uh, increase other skills. Conducting a full study of a tome may grant an increase in other skills as well as the mythos skill. After a full study of the tome, the reader automatically gains a skill tick for the language in which the book is written because you successfully used it. That makes sense. And so their skill in that language may improve in the usual way during the next development phase. The keeper should also determine whether a particular tome will provide additional benefits to the reader. Increases should be either limited to 1d6 or 1d10 skill points per skill, or simply awarded as, a, as another tick to be rolled during the next development phase. Other skills that may be improved as a result of reading tomes are, but not limited to, history, archaeology, anthropology, occult, astronomy, and other sciences like chemistry, biology, and physics. Remember, mythos knowledge isn't really magic. It's actual science, and your brain is now fractured enough to understand a little bit more about actual science, which increases your skills in actual science. It makes sense. I love it. Demonology. There it is. Uh, occult books are not mythos books, but they, they can increase your skill in... in uh, um, what do you call it in uh the occult skill or in in other areas it could talk about mythos stuff but never in enough uh detail to cause any sanity loss now we're going to go back to the tomes area and we're going to look at some example tomes see what these tomes do and why they're so bad i'm sure they have lovely names though like uh a heartfelt tale and how to win friends and influence people. Uh, no, no, not, not seen a heartfelt tale anywhere. Let's, let's just move right to, where is it? The Necronomicon. Here we go. The Al Azif version. This is the original Arabic version. So it's going to have the choicest spells and sanity loss. Zoom in a little bit here. Original form is unknown, but numerous manuscript versions were long circulated between medieval scholars. As early as the 12th century, this version was referred to as lost. An immense compendium touching on nearly every aspect of the mythos and a reference including charts and star maps. This is going to be very detailed. Sandy loss, 2D10. That is bonkers. Bonkers. Cthulhu mythos. Plus six for a skimming. 
and plus 12 to the skill for a full read. Mythos rating is 54. I'll have to read about that rating. Study 68 weeks. That's over a year of study to really fully comprehend it. And these are the suggested spells that are contained within. That's a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Twenty spells in that one book. Now, this is the this is the main book, right? This is the big one. So what do we have for the Greek translation? This one is the watered down version. Instead of what is 2d10? Yeah, it still has 2d10 for the sanity loss, but only a plus five mythos skill for skimming, but plus 12 for full read. But it still takes the full 68 weeks. And the suggested spells are the same as the main Necronomicon. So the Greek version, not quite as watered down as you'd think, still pretty good. But not good for you. The Sussex Manuscript. This is the English version. Translated from the Greek. So this is a third generation book. Muddled, incomplete translation of the... I'm sorry, the Latin. Greek, Latin, then this. Fourth generation. Necronomicon. Printed in Sussex, England in an octavo edition. Octavo? Octavo. Properly known as the Cultus Malefic Maleficarum. Maleficarum. Uh, whatever. Malevolence. Sandy loss is only a D6. Mythos skill gained is two or five. Mythos rating 21. Study is only 36 weeks. So, you know, so there's really a easy. lot lost in translation. Now, the spells are the same as the original, but it's the possibility of dangerously flawed in the form of intent. Like it could say dismiss this being as the spell, but what the spell actually is, is call this being. Or it's just insulting. You're just dismissive of them, and it makes no, me angry. The, the really cool thing we're going to get into this when we get into spells next is that there is a spell to call or summon a, a mythos creature, but there is a second spell to bind it to your will. You need both to actually control it. If you just want to cause chaos and run away, summon something and run away. Don't let it see you, though. So uh, what are you doing later tonight? Not summoning anything here. I was nope. thinking maybe maybe I could come over. We could watch a movie. I could chant a few words, and then and then I'll I'll leave you to your fate. <laughs> Basically, it yeah. Uh, then it gives some history of the Necronomicon, other versions, surviving copies. This is for the keeper, so you can introduce the book properly. Uh, People of the Monolith, Sandy lost one d three. Cthulhu Mythos is one or two to the skill. Spells, none. This would be introduced not to give the character spell knowledge, obviously because it has none, but it will have specific information that is prevalent or uh, uh, important to their current scenario. That's why you would give this. Uh, revelations of Glaaki, Sandy lost 2d8, 5 or 10, Mythos skill gained, suggested spells, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And these occult books, 
like I said, they're not true mythos books. They talk about maybe mythos events, maybe how to counteract them, usually run away or murder the murder the cultist or whatever. So it gives a cult skill, no sanity loss, no mythos like that. Occult books are used by the keeper to again give you knowledge of the your the scenario you're in, especially if he doesn't want people to go insane just yet. This is what's for. So though that is based, I'm not going to go through all of the mythos books. There's a bunch, and we're at the end. So that is basically how tomes work. You'll sure you'll get more knowledgeable in the mythos science or magic. You will learn spells to alter time, space, and reality. But every time you learn something, every time you read something, and we're going to find out later on, sometimes even if you cast something, you will slowly go ever more insane. So do we have anything for comments? Uh, nothing. I mean, there, there are a couple okay. of comments, but nothing uh, directly asking you questions. Or Then we'll be back in a minute. Uh, well, for those of you who are watching live, we'll be back in a minute with some spells. For those of you who are Else watching, we'll be on back Amber, on Friday for the third segment. There you go. All right, let's see here. Oh, where's the page? Two forty-two. Okay. In there somewhere, there should be summon cat because every time you talk about summoning, she was walking across my face. Uh, <clears throat> all right yeah i'm ready whenever you are okay ladies and gentlemen welcome back to call of cthulhu 7th edition and today we are going to talk about spells we've talked about how to get spells either open up your brain to a, a thing outside the universe or read a book books can be fun except when you're learning mythos spells the ability to alter time space and reality has a detrimental effect on the very fragile human psyche. Let's see what happens next. Role-playing games thrive in fantastic worlds and at inclusive tables that embrace these core values for the most positive gaming experience. Donate to the Wounded Warrior Project via the link in the description below to help honor and empower our wounded heroes. On Thursdays and Saturdays, watch Heathen Dog's Dirty Casuals play multiplayer video games over on Twitch. On Sundays and Fridays, join us for tabletop role-playing game content on both YouTube and Rumble. Finally, please take a quick moment to like this video and share it with both your friends and on social media. If you have not done so, please subscribe to Legion of Myth and activate that bell icon to receive notifications of new content. Okay. You want that. There we go. Now we have in front of us here a picture of your enemy on spells. Yes, you can do amazing things with magic. Magic can also do amazing things to you. And we're going to find both of those things out right now. Spells. The spells described within the, the grimoire are listed alphabetically, each detailing the standard purpose and result of a successful casting. We're not going to go over all of them. We're going to go over some of them. Keepers are encouraged to further develop, alter, and enhance the spells listed here. A spell may be found in a tome that produces a weaker effect than a state in a grimoire. Equally, a more powerful version may be encountered. So you as the keeper have free reign to lessen or greater the effects, sanity loss, whatever, 
of all these spells because each version whether it be original arabic or greek or latin or english or gaelic or whatever is going to be slightly different because lots of things are lost in translation Uh, the keeper should take careful note of which investigators know magic. An investigator might cast a spell involuntarily while under the keeper's control during a bout of madness. This is true as well. Remember, loss of sanity, whether it be temporary insanity or indefinite insanity, there are times when you lose your player agency. What? Be prepared for that. It happens. And you could cast a spell off and lose more sanity because of it because the keeper says so. What is your recourse? None. Suck it up. You went insane. That happened. Shut up. Spell names. While each spell has a standard name, keepers are strongly advised to use more evocative titles whenever possible. Different mythos tomes may contain common spells. However, such authors will have comprehended the spells quite differently. One author naming the spell Contact Deep One as the Voice from the Deeps, for example. Another calling it Summon the Abyssal Foulness. Different spells may even have the same or similar names. Suggestions for alternative names are provided at the end of each spell's. How about happiness and butterflies? Yeah, that was a real mistranslation. <laughs> Deeper magic. The path to mythos wisdom and knowledge leads to insanity. This is the end result. Okay. The more you learn about mythos, you go down that path, you are going to go insane. There's no way around it. It's going to happen and faster than your compatriots that shy away from such things. Be ready for that. The, the price of power is burning yourself at both ends. Sure, you burn so bright, but only for about 10 minutes. Sanity gauges a person's hold on what we term reality, which is not reality at all, but only in a consensual human delusion or limited understanding that protects the mind from which it cannot fully comprehend the mythos. Remember, mythos is not magic. They're called spells because we call them that. Books are called spell books because we call them that. It's not real. It's actual reality. You are using the laws of reality, natural law, to reshape uh, life. Using old one's laws. Come on now. No, no, no. True universal laws that we can't comprehend so we can't use readily without our brains breaking. That's what this is. Occultist's ultimate aim is to relinquish all trace of human sanity and replace it with an understanding of the true nature of the universe. This is something a lot of people don't understand. When you go fully insane, you don't die. You become an NPC. You could still be functional. You could still say two plus two is four. You know to cross the street on a, on a walking sign instead of a don't walk sign. But all human identity... All uh, uh, cultural human nuance that you once had in your body is gone. Absolutely gone. You no longer care about your fellow man. You don't even think you are a fellow man anymore. Of course not, because they can't do magic. Exactly. You've risen above fully. You are a superior being to other humans. Therefore, why care about them? There's no reason to. That's what happens when you reach zero sanity. Or one of the many things that could happen, depending on how the keeper does it. 
the loss of sanity would incapacitate most people, leaving them unable to function in any meaningful way. However, some cultists achieve this paradigm shift without being reduced to gibbering wrecks. Even though they have zero sanity points, they somehow transcend insanity and are still able to function and, in some cases, are capable of blending unnoticed in society at large. I mean, sure, you may now be a serial killer who only kills newborn babies. Yeah, but as long as I'm not doing it on TV where people are watching, it should be okay. Exactly. You know, it's fine. You, you know, you, you can still play bingo with your grandma. It's fine. Insane wizards who fully embrace the mythos are likely to draw upon far greater power than a person who's simply casting a spell learned from a book. Liberated from human sanity and empowered by their understanding of the mythos, these wizards are able to discover new aspects and deeper magics. Think of it. Think of it. I like that. Liberated. Liberated. You are liberated. Sanity. The shackles have been removed from you. The humanity shackles have been removed. What is the main detriment to learning and casting? mythos magical spells loss of sanity well if you have nothing to lose literally there is no downside anymore there isn't an N a npc wizard with zero sanity is basically a living demigod i'm he in has no strings on him anymore uh let's see here uh investigators may also learn these deeper levels of understanding whether an investigator is insane, temporary or indefinite, and successfully casts a spell, roll 1d100 and compare the result to their mythos skill. If the roll is equal to or below the investigator's mythos skill, new depths of magic have been successfully plumbed, and the option to use the deeper effect of the spell now presents itself. Once the deeper version of a spell is discovered, it remains available thereafter. Whether there are further deeper levels of spell to be discovered, we don't know. It's up to the keeper to decide. All spells have these hidden depths. Deeper versions of many spells in this grimoire are provided as examples. Keepers are advised to plan ahead when introducing spells that might fall into the hands of investigators and predetermine possible deeper magical effects of such spells rather than try to invent them on the fly. Oh my God, that one's new. That was new for 7th edition, I think. Uh, well, it, it could have been in 6th as well. I don't know. But if you cast while insane... Your mind is so open that some of it, some more of it, not falls out, but some things fall in. More powerful. So you found elastic brain. When no. you have zero sanity, you have elastic brain. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, the way to get elastic brain is to get zero sanity. I'm in. If you now have access to a level two or higher of the spell, which obviously is going to have better or more detrimental depending on your you know are you on the receiving end of it or not power deeper magic and play all mythos entities and cultists with zero sanity points will if they know a certain spell know the deeper versions as listed in the grimoire other enemies may know them at the keeper's discretion the keeper should not feel obliged to roll to determine whether the enemy learns a deeper version during play you can just make them do it doesn't matter you're the keeper you can do that when an investigator discovers a deeper effect of a spell through play, the keeper may decide how it differs from the standard version. The section on spell variations may prove useful. Essentially, the deeper version should be an exciting and more horrific development of the spell rather than a mundane mechanical benefit, such as costing fewer magic points or doing more damage or, you know, lasting longer. No, it should be horrible. It should be absolutely horrible. Do that instead. 
You may ask the player how the spell might be altered. Remember, however, that this is a horror game, and the deeper version may add aspects to the spell that are undesirable to the investigator. Greater magic should come with a greater price. So, for example, the player character is temporarily insane and casts a spell rolls under their current mythos skill for a d100 so has learned a deeper version of the spell what i would do reading this i would say hey what benefit do you want the spell to have now the player will say the benefit and i as the keeper will say oh it also has this extra detriment it's going to be horrible you're not going to like it you better have chosen well because this shit's going to have nuts in it. Spell variations. There is no such thing as a definitive spell. The ones listed here are only a guide and starting point for the keeper to draw upon. This is not a game in which the players can expect their characters to gain spells as a matter of course. The players should be aware that any spells their investigators gain may vary from the ones listed in the book. Part of the keeper's job is to act as intermediary between this grimoire and the players. Okay, now we have uh, opposed power roll, spell range, this is uh, These are the mechanics of casting a spell, so it's important to know, so we're going to read it. Many spells call for a power roll to be made to test whether the spell affects its target. Both sides make a power roll and compare their levels of success, with the higher one being the victor. In the case of a tie, the higher power wins. This is why insane cultists are so dangerous. Just in the last video or two, we, we talked about that it is possible through using magic or through using your power to increase it by a D10. That means the cultist who uses magic a whole lot is probably going to have a greater power rating than the average investigator. So I think it'd be interesting that if magic goes against magic, that the corrupting forces like win multiply. And uh, so both sides get effed. That could be possible. Yes. But in the, in just with the straight up die rolls, the person with the highest power has a greater chance of winning. So that's usually going to be the bad guy. Uh, in the case of a tie, the power roll wins. If the sides are still drawn, as in they both have the same power, the keeper might decide that both are affected adversely in some manner that reflects the nature of the spell. There you go. That's what you were saying. Sometimes when a tie, 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 oh, and now you both get screwed. If the difference between the caster's power and the target's power is 100 or more, the one with the greater power automatically wins, not even a roll. Now, having 100 power or more, not easy. You're not going to get it right off the bat. You're, you're going to get it through mythos nonsense. But creatures, intelligent mythos creatures, may start out with 1-200 power. So when they cast a spell on you, you're just going to eat it. It's a giant turd sandwich, and you just better hope you put some mayo on it because you're eating it. Ew. Spell range. In the game, spell range is usually one of three options. Touch, 100 yards, or sight with the unaided eye. These general choices are easy to visualize and understand. Greater ranges can come from engineering problems, not examples of horror. Like greater ranges, if it is a ritual spell and you have DNA of the victim, the spell may, may have you know anywhere on the planet right? That's possible. But for a general rule of thumb, touch 100 yards or line of sight, unaided sight, which means no binoculars, no cameras, nothing like that. 
casting time and spells in combat. Some spells are useful in combat situations. Each spell has a casting time listed in its description, instantaneous, one round, and so on. So it could be more, could be less. If the casting time is instantaneous, it activates on the user's dex plus 50, just like a readied weapon. This is something that you think and it happens. It's the same amount of time as thinking of pulling a trigger and boom, gun goes off. So an attack spell that has instantaneous is a great boon to you in combat. It's not so much because you're going to use it a lot and it's going to drive you insane. Bear that in mind. Do you do you suffer the sanity loss every single time you use it? Yep. Well, it used to be. We're, we're going to read on, but yeah. If the casting takes one round, it activates on the user's decks in the present round. So it doesn't take one full round. It It's normal action at that point. If the casting takes two rounds, it activates on the user's decks in the following round, and so on. Three, the user's decks on the third round. Stuff like that. Altering the spell's costs and effects. The spell cost is usually gauged in magic points and sanity points. However, some cases where an effect is long-lasting and or highly significant, it may also include a permanent expenditure of power. When altering the cost, you should consider any changes you intend to make to the effect. A more powerful effect is likely to increase the cost, while a lesser effect may lower it. Okay, great. Uh, the source from which a spell is learned can affect both the cost and the effect. The purer the source, the better the spell. There is no set ratio of spell cost to effect in this game. The poorer source, such as a badly translated incomplete tome, may provide a lesser version of a spell when a reduced effect and increased cost. A spell imparted directly from a great old one, great old one into the brain of the caster might have greatly increased effects and or greatly reduced cost. Purity of source less lost in translation the worst is something that was translated five times missing pages smudged words that's going to be a crappy spell the best is an elder god or a great old one dumping the spell directly into your brain now is that going to have other side effects yeah yeah but is it going to be a very pure spell oh yeah And this is an example of spell variations. When I get into that, uh, this talks example of how to create a zombie spell, an improved version of a zombie spell, and uh, the deeper knowledge of the spell, the macabre version of the zombie spell. This is if you get a deeper knowledge, right? It gives examples that you can read it yourself, but uh, creating a new spell is where I want to start on now. Because this is something players might want to do. So we should find out what horrible things happen to them when they do. Call of Cthulhu is not a game that strives for game balance between the player characters and their enemies. No, that's not about balance. Nor is there a level-based structure in which spells must fit. If, for example, you create a spell that is similar to one of the Grimoire, but which costs far less for greater effect, you have not contravened any rules. You should be wary of introducing elements such as spells into your game that may have a major effect on gameplay. This is speaking to the Keeper. This is not to say that you should not do so, just that you should not do so thoughtlessly. Again, you're trying to kill the characters, and you're doing it by making no. it seem like it was their fault. So you give, all, that, give them all these the spells... You are not trying to kill the characters. You're trying to get them to kill themselves. Right. <laughs> there it is. 
Look at the spells in this book and find one that approximates the magnitude of the effect of your new spell. This will provide a jumping off point as to the cost in magic, power, and sanity. Considered how easily a spell will be cast. A caster might have 16 magic points and be able to burn some hit points to increase its number, say to 25. Beyond this, the caster will either require a reservoir of magic points or additional participants in the casting to donate magic points to the spell. Some spells require power to be spent. Power can be accrued by wizards through certain spells or items, such as an enchanted cane, a necklace, a tablet, or just by casting spells, you can increase your power by exercising the attribute and then gaining. Sacrifices and other normally objectionable rites can be added to spells for two purposes. First, to invoke the theme of horror. Second, to make the spells either difficult or a moral dilemma for the players. For example, when the players want to use a spell that can thwart the opposition if it requires a human sacrifice. You can give them that option. Give the players the option. Hey, you could stop the cult right now. All you have to do is cut out Timmy's heart and use it as part of this spell, and it will stop all the cultists in their tracks. Or, or some other effect. You can do it right now. Somebody might say yes. Call, contact, and summon disambiguation. This is probably going to be important. These three types of spells have much in common and it is useful to understand the differences. Call spells are immensely powerful rituals that bring an actual physical manifestation of a god before the caster. Call spells may be used by cults to bring forth their dark gods to accept ritual sacrifices or as an act of worship. The flip side of the call spell is the dismiss spell used to send the god back from whence it came. Dismiss spells may well prove useful to the investigators. You do not want to call an elder god, but damn it, you may want to tell him to go home. Contact spells can be considered as a request for communication, somewhat like a phone call. When successfully used with mythos monsters, it will draw one or more to the caster. However, they come of their own volition and are not under the caster's control. When used with a deity or a great old one, the spell opens communication, but does not necessarily bring forth a physical manifestation. This is how tomes are made. Casters connect themselves to the mind of a great old one or a deity and ask the de deity for power, knowledge, or supremacy, or whatever. And the deity will dump, if they want to, spells directly into the brain of the, of the communicated. And then they can use that knowledge to write a book about it. That can happen. Investigators might have cause to use a contact spell under certain circumstances. For example, to contact intelligent mythos races to get information or aid. However, to do so is perilous in the extreme. Do not open your brain to things that you don't understand, Timmy. That's how someone bleaches your insides. But how am I supposed to understand it if I can't open my brain to it? That's the conundrum and tightrope that we all walk, Timmy. Try not to fall. Summon spells compel a monster, not a god, to appear before the caster. Such monsters may be bound to the caster's will to do as they're bidding. This summon and bind spells are used by wizards and cultists who wish to use the power of some otherworldly horror. Investigators might use a summon spell, but they had best ensure they can bind what they summon. 
And we're going to get an example of that in just a minute. Okay, a grimoire. This is a list of spells. These are some of the spells we're talking about. And I'm going to use uh, see summoning spells, page 263. We're going to go straight to 263. Summoning spells. We're going to summon uh, fire vampire. Yeah, that sounds right. That doesn't sound good at all. Summon a fire vampire. Causes one fire vampire to swoop down from the sky like a skittering star. A bonfire or other source of flame is required. The spell may be cast only at night when the star formal, formal hot is above the horizon. September through November are the best times in moderately northern latitudes. Alternative names. Conjure the glittering ones, the autumnal call of living fire, and all of these summon them. But I haven't found bind yet. Well, on the other column. Oh, separate binding right here. Cost one sanity point, casting time one round. What about the summoning? Summon is variable magic points and 1d4 sanity points. To summon yeah, I guess you don't lose a lot of sanity actually binding it because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Summoning it, you lose 1d4 sanity and magic points. Binding it, you lose more sanity. Just not, one. not as much, but more sanity just by binding it, but you don't lose any magic points because you've already done the, the heavy lifting. Now it's just binding its will to yours. That means you have to get a little too close to uh, the mind of a of an outer outer space thing, and that causes you to lose sanity. Words of power. Three plus magic points, depending on which word you're talking about, and 1d6 sanity points to, ca to cost for casting. And it takes 10 plus minutes. But what do they do? The caster creates an intense bond with a large group of listeners. The caster must speak extemporaneously <laughs> and seemingly from the heart, maintaining the audience's attention. For each 10 minutes of speech, the caster must expend three magic points and make a successful communication roll as the keeper thinks appropriate, either charm or persuade, whatever, whatever uh, medium you're using to communicate. Or the speech ends indecisively and in confusion. At the end of the successful speech, the audience thoroughly believes what has been said for 1D3 days. So you, as a motivational speaker, would use this a lot. And you'd lose a lot of sanity points doing it, but by God, you're going to be very successful. Very successful motivational speaker. They'll want you to come back a lot. You're going to make a lot of money and go insane really fast. That's okay, because uh, that, adds to, that adds to the mystique in the story. There you go. And here's a good one that for investigators. Warding. This could be fun. One magic point per stone. Apparently it's warding stones. No sanity. All right. Casting time, five rounds. A number of ordinary white stones are placed on the ground as the caster pleases, except that each must be within a yard of each of the others. When cast, a shimmering heat haze can be seen over the stones. Thereafter, if any stone is moved, the caster will be aware of that fact, even if asleep. Once this has occurred, the spell is broken. Okay, okay, okay. So this is more of an alarm system. You use one magic point per stone, as many stones as you want, and you place them in a, in a place where people will normally walk. If someone touches or moves them in any way, you will know. 
which means putting it into a gravel driveway. Someone drives in the driveway. It's going to have a ripple effect of all the stones. Your stone's probably going to be moved. Boom. Alarm goes off. Even if you're asleep, you'll know it. Wake you up. Come on. That alternative name. Leave thy burden to the rock. There you go. <laughs> or circle of protection. I'm sure that's for the Greek one or Latin one. Stone, stones of safekeeping is probably um, Gaelic, maybe. I don't know. Uh, separate binding. What's this one? Binding and summoning are two sides of the same coin. Now, sometimes they are learned as one spell, sometimes not. Okay, so uh, <laughs> if you learn a spell from a grimoire, it's very important to know whether you just have the summoning, just have the binding, or both. You don't want just the summoning and do it. That's stupid because you summon them to you, which means you're probably going to be the first one that this creature sees and you have no control over it. Stupid, very stupid. But if you just want to cause chaos, that'll do it. An uncontrolled monster from the stars running around, tearing out everybody's heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, well, no, people, no. when while people focus on that thing, I can go do my thing. There you go. If you if you get away, that's that's the thing. Uh, Song of Hastur costs one d four magic points per round, and one d four sanity points per round. This must be awesome. This it's must got, be better be a short song. song. <laughs> you better be. Uh, casting time three rounds before it begins to take effect. Oh my god. Okay, so it's it? 3D4. Do you have to pay for it even before it takes effect? Let's find out. A hideous wailing un undulation by the caster cause it says it says undulation. It should be undulate undulation. I don't know. By the caster causes the skin and flesh of the chosen victim to bubble and fester into pestilent blobs. Wow. Wow. The target must be visible to the caster. Though everyone can hear the song, the spell affects only one person chosen as a target. The spell will not work except at night and only if the caster star Ald Aldebaran, Aldebar you know what I mean, yeah. is visible. A roll equal to or under the caster's power must be made to sing the alien melody correctly. Successfully cast, the spell causes the target 1d6 hit points of damage per round the spell is active. After every two rounds, scarring reduces the victim's appearance by 3d10. Jesus. After four rounds, internal ruptures lower the victim's constitution by 3d10. When the victim's con reaches zero or death occurs from lost hit points, the body swells up and bursts with a sickening plop as steamy gore spills onto the floor. The song, can be used, the song can be used defensively to guard against another caster of this spell. Successful opposing castings neutralize each other. Man, I, th I think like a bullet would be a better deterrent <laughs> for this spell. Not wow. nearly as cool, though. Resurrection. This is the last spell. Resurrection. Three magic points and 1d10 sanity. I think it should be more for resurrection, but we'll, we'll find out. The spell reduces a corpse to its essential salts and compounds, a bluish-gray powder, or reverses the process to yield ultimately the form and soul of the deceased. A complete corpse is necessary. Being resurrected in this manner costs the victim 1d20 sanity points. Apparently, it's very jarring. Very jarring. I was dead. Yeah, exactly. It's more like uh, 
pet cemetery type dead. Dead is better type thing. Yeah, could be something like that. If only part of the ashy powder is available for the spell, the sorcerer gets only the liveliest of awfulness from what the flesh is made. That's usually a ghoul or a zombie or something like that. But the successfully resurrected need not be all in one piece. As long as the coffin is intact and sufficient care is taken to scrape together all the fragments and dust, the spell succeeds. Reciting the spell backward returns the resurrected entity to dust and likewise requires the expenditure of three magic points and 1d10 sanity. Okay, well, you have the off switch for whoever you brought back. Reverse the incantation and boom, they die again. They turn back to salt. Awesome. The dust can be retained. Is that a Star Trek episode? The Kelvinites. Um, they're the ones that steal salt from people. No. Well, no, 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 no. They they turn people into little hexagonal sponge sponges where they'd squeeze them, and you know that person was now dead. I don't recall. The da, 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 for the spell to take effect, the caster must succeed in an opposed power roll with the target. If the caster wins, the victim returns to dust. If victim wins. You may try to prevent the caster from reciting the spell again. Shut your hole. Reciting the spell backwards takes two rounds. In the case of Charles Dexter Ward, many of those resurrected were interrogated and tortured to reveal secrets of the past. Uh, alternative names, the right of knowledge long lost, recruitants, and right of salts. Yeah, so these are the spells, right? Many of them cost sanity every time they're used. Some of them cost sanity every round they're maintained. All of them are going to cost some type of magic point. And you are going to be at a great disadvantage to an NPC spellcaster because they're already just crap house rat crazy. So they no longer care. So there it is. That's that's magic spells, magic, and magic tomes. So what we did today, that's what we all learned this week. So let's take it home. Do we have any... Uh, Nope. Okay, then throw up that subscribe. Do it. Do it now. Like, subscribe, now and share. And so next week, uh, I mean, so how much longer do you have left with Call of Cthulhu? Uh, at least two weeks. Okay, so what's next week? Uh, next week is going to be um, artifacts and alien devices, monsters, and I think that's it because those are really okay. long chapters. Sounds good. Well, as if we didn't get enough with magic today, next week we get alien devices. That sounds lovely. I cannot wait to have a worm gun. Oh, they're, they're mostly innocuous looking. You know, tablets or pendants or brooches. And then they slowly corrupt you and make you a willing servant of some other great old one or elder god. But whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Up, up until then, it's really cool. All right, I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Kelvins are from the Andromeda Galaxy. Yep. Resurrection. Yeah. In the in the texts, in uh in many of the scenarios that resurrection spell is written into the scenario, uh, the written ones, it's usually to bring someone from the dead back to life because they have knowledge you need to rectify a current situation. Hey, Sly Blue Demon, how's it going, everybody? It's going pretty well over here. Uh, Max is a little stick still, or again, depending on your view of it, but I'm doing okay.
Max is going to a coughing fit, probably getting some more tea because he's going to have to talk a lot now because he's got to go through three powers books for Heroes Unlimited. And I'm going to make sure he does the exceptional intelligence power because it's one of the only powers or abilities in the book that increase intelligence to get you possibly over 30. Or you could use it as a uh, flowers for Algernon thing and you know take someone with an intelligence of five and make it 25. That's possible. So how's everybody's weekend going? You're at the last day of it, so tell me what happened uh, right in chat. I want to see what you guys have been doing. I had to ground my son from the computer for a week, a little under a week, because uh, I told him the rules about using the computer. You don't download anything from the internet unless you get permission. And when you do download it, you run it through two different virus and malware checkers before you install anything. And he failed on both fronts. So that's no good. Squirrel says, all good here. No game. Oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. Mar Hawkman's having to dig up a broken water line in cold rain. That is not fun. Not fun at all. Crafting's Gamer says, I say something relevant and YouTube blocks me. Yeah, that's what YouTube does. A good example for words of power is a certain World War II German dictator and his descent into insanity. Yeah, you, you can't speak about certain World War II dictators on the internet, whether it's for or against. You just get killed by the algorithm or just blocked by, by an AI immediately. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, on Friday, uh, I got fact-checked on COVID. Fact-checked? Yeah, if you go look at the Friday uh, live stream, you'll see that it's got a COVID uh, fact-check uh, link in it. Hey, YouTube, I had COVID. I don't need to be fact-checked. Just saying. <laughs> got some facts right here, buddy. The, uh, the positive test and the doctor's visits are uh, proof enough for you. You yep. <laughs> uh, by the way, for the folks that didn't say hello to Squirrel Hermit, Crafting Gamer, uh, Kokushuko, etc. Uh, good to see you guys here. Just I'm I'm falling apart again. So, uh, do you need to step away for a minute or no? Um. Yeah, just a sec. Okay. I got some storms going on outside, so I keep checking on that. I'm not gonna lie, during uh, during his spell segment, one of the times when I turned it off, I had to put my head on my desk. And it's not because of him. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I got to tell you, if there's one, uh, two changes that COVID has made to me is even now feeling better. Um, I still want to sleep like 12 hours a day. I was sleeping 16 hours a day when I was actually sick. It was crazy. I had one hacking fit too. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how long I can talk. Before I get into hacking fits, by the way, um, for folks who missed Friday, let me read off the winners of stuff. Um, somebody I don't know won Dungeon World, Abby NTF nine six five. So hopefully you got some good information there. Uh, Paranoia Redbox uh, or Red Clearance Edition was won by the Crafting Gamer, and uh, Star Wars uh, Revised Edition was won by Gaming with ADHD. 
And I decided that uh, the old geek is going to get a gift card. I'll send him a message because uh, I'm not shipping something to him. And he still filled out the form anyway. And Mar Hawkman also won a gift card. So uh, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll reach out to you guys at some point later. Um, I wanted to do it yesterday, but uh, I couldn't. So. I'm ready, steady. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I can't talk now. <laughs> Seeing my beautiful form just robbed you of your ability to communicate. I understand. We'll I go it. with that. Yep. Um, entertain him for a sec <laughs> till I can drink. <laughs> okay. Uh, Squirrel Hermit's having some trouble with uh you with YouTube chat, having to refresh it. That is uncool, but. It's probably a side effect of their fight against ad blockers. The YouTube fight against ad blockers gets more and more devious. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they started doing a week or two ago is instead of detecting you have an ad blocker and trying to block your ad blocker, if you have an effective ad blocker, they'll just slow down your video connection so you so you start spinning. Or in the case of Scroll Hermit, your chat doesn't doesn't uh, automatically refresh. So I have a YouTube premium uh, on the Legion Myth account, so I don't have to deal with that, thank God. But uh, uh, I don't have my personal account, and believe me, I notice it. Uh, my reason for having YouTube premium, though, is kind of out the door, so I was thinking about getting rid of it. Now I don't know. Um, they've raised the price twice. I, I realized this when I was doing my taxes. They raised the price twice last year for uh, YouTube premium. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, um <laughs> Just filled out a survey for YouTube. Let's just say that if it's tied to my account in any way, shape, or form, we won't be on YouTube much longer. <laughs> Don't ask me what I think and not expect an answer. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, let's see if I can uh, do this now. Get my books ready. Uh, starting with number one. Oh, yeah, I have to slide everything over, so... You get to do all the fun StreamYard stuff. Oh, goody. I know. Uh Uh-oh. Over there, weirdo. You go right there. It's called a tab. Figure it out. There we go. All right, today for segment two, I'm going to cover Powers Unlimited. Uh, Why? Because I was looking at the books uh, for purposes of an After the Bomb style game. After the Bomb meets uh, Aliens Unlimited, and I'm like, hmm. What what new powers, what abilities could these books have that I might be interested in? Well, let's be honest, there are quite a lot of them. So if you're already aware of what Heroes Unlimited 2nd Edition gives you for powers, you're going to know that there are a ton of powers, but not everything is there. And these books expand upon those powers greatly, and we're going to see about those in just a moment. We welcome all people, regardless of background, belief, or identity, to play tabletop role-playing games. Let's engage our imaginations, pull a veil over reality, and immerse ourselves in fantastic worlds. Don't be a disruption at the table, and always remember, it's just a game. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project. 
a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences. If you enjoy our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right, let's get... Oh, I didn't put the book up on the screen. I have failed. Uh, do it this way because I'm going to be bouncing between books. Boom, there we go. We have Power Sound Limited, the first one. So, the way I'm breaking this down is there are going to be two videos. The first one is going to be Powers Unlimited 1 and 3, and the reason for that is these are where more powers are offered to you in the game. The second one is more about power categories, so we'll talk about that in a separate video. So, I wanted to look at what, what makes this book so much different. Why did new powers need to be made? Did they need to be made? Because, I mean, if you really look at the Heroes Unlimited book, and to be fair, I'm not a superhero guy, but pretty much anything that I could think of that I would want to do is in that book. But then again, you start talking to people who know superheroes, say, but, but this guy's got this one special power. Well, guess what? These books do that for you. I'm specifically going to cover the weird ones, or the ones that I thought were weird, either niche or interesting or WTF. Because uh, there's no way we could go through all of the powers in the book. Wait, wait. And we'll start off by, here are the powers in the book. Let's just, uh, hopefully you can read that. Hopefully you're not watching on a phone. Uh, the the important thing to take away from this is that there is a button. Yes. Now, one of the things I did find interesting, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, is look at all the new energy expulsions. A lot. And this is just one book. Yeah. We have book three to look at also, so... Um, and then, of course, for the major powers, uh, where, where's everybody's favorite major power? There you go. Look at all of these new alter physical structures. I had Shadow in one of my games. Did you? Okay. I played in, yeah. um, in the third book, they goo. <laughs> alter physical structure goo. I'm like, I'm in. I mean, this one's got putty. Um, we may take a look at those. Uh, but you've got all types of different powers here. Uh, but like I said, I want to look at some of the weird ones. So we're going to start right off the bat. And we're going to look at anatomical independence. What the hell? Is oh, that sounds like a horror movie. It kind of is. Uh, should it's be like, paged. What, what's the, in, uh, in the Adams family, what's the hand called? Thing. Thing, yeah. Is it like that? Um, Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not going to read the whole thing uh, again this is an overview but we're going to give you an idea what it is uh this strange power allows a super being to separate pieces of his own body without pain or any ill effects or damage to himself and send them off like mobile units <laughs> let, me, let me scroll up here for a second there's thing and there's eyeball thing you want to see what's going on somewhere else just uh, and go flop that thing somewhere it's great <laughs> right uh separate body parts continue to function as if they were still connected to the super being only functioning at long distance like remote control drones 
Blood still pumps through the character's veins and eyes still see, even if they're separated from the body by hundreds of feet. Don't ask me how that happens. Interdimensional travel something. I don't know. Uh, but damage done to a part is still taken off his SDC and hit points total as if the body was still attached to the rest of the body. So if somebody sees your eyeball and stomps on it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. So sense. don't do not do that. Anyway, you can see that there are a lot of rules for it here. I'm not going to, again, go into all of this. But it talks about you can remove your eyes because that sounds fun. By fun, I mean gross. Ears. Uh, you can remove your ears. Throw that thing out there. Chop off some hands. Who knows? Oh, you know what? Why don't we just chop off a foot? Not as useful as a hand. So, you know, that sounds great, you know, if you want to do it. But hey, whatever. Uh, contortion and escape, you know, just rip yourself apart so you can get out of those bindings. Well, yeah. If you have handcuffs on, take off your hand. Right. <laughs> leave them right out. Leave them on the seat. Cops will love that. Um, oh, yeah. Bane death horror factor 13 really only 13 only 13 for removing your eye or hand well, or it's foot 14 or for eyeball it, it's 14 for eyeballs oh okay 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 <laughs> anyway, so there we go uh i thought that was a pretty creepy one now one of the things i noticed and heathen dogs probably got more experiences with, with this than i do uh, as he does more superhero games is um i found that a lot of the powers in in this book, I don't want to say are unnecessary. That's a bad way to say it because I don't have a negative feel of them. But I would say that they are niche. You kind of have to want them. Yeah. Like I'm really looking for this experience. Uh, your mileage may vary on that. So I would consider these books completely optional. At the same time, if you really are looking for something like antenna and want to have, you know, want to know what antenna can do for you. Okay, I get it, but to be fair, you could get most of this through normal powers anyway. Yeah. Or uh if you if you want antenna, you probably could just make an alien that has antenna and the right. the main book is going to give you bonuses for that. You know, and just use that. Don't don't waste a power slot. It's up to you though. Right, right. Well, again, it depends on what you're going for. So yeah. and you can see there's battle rage here. We're gonna go, we're gonna skip on ahead. Uh oh no, the gambit power, I called it. Hey, I know a superhero. Uh, charge object with explosive energy. Awesome. Now, now I could be wrong because I don't know comic books that much. But when I saw this, I was like, oh, this reminds me of Gambit. This impressive power enables the character to turn any object into a bomb, charging that item with explosive energy. Didn't he do that with his cards? Yep. Okay. And you can get a charge object to explode on impact. It gives you range. Supercharge object. I mean, see, there's charge objects. And then there's supercharge objects. Uh, you can do time charges, delayed blast, fireball. Sure. Uh, and uh, so forth. But again, I just, I looked at it like, okay, that's kind of neat. Don't, so again, asking you, and if you don't know, that's fine. Um, not trying to put you on the spot here. Um, isn't there already a power like this in Heroes Unlimited? Because I thought pretty much anything that was a common... Uh, x-men marvel dc whatever type character was actually i thought kevin did a pretty good job of filling up the book with those powers no i, I don't believe that a, a power like this is in there because uh you were charging an object with energy and then it is blowing up so you're losing the object as well okay all right we'll skip uh color manipulation and claws i think you can get an idea what those are again i have limited time here conduct electricity which is interesting for me because there are lots of different electricity powers and again 
they seem like they already kind of were in the main book, but they find different uses for them. So if you're like, you know, I like energy expulsion electricity, but I'd like to be able to do something a little more nuanced with it. Well, here you go. You got some conductor electricity. So where's energy expulsion? Um, density walking, disintegration, doorway, energy claws. I mean, what's different between claws and energy claws? Oh, these are made out of energy. All right, let's just take a look. I'm going to let Heathen Dog pick one. We're going to look at all of these energy expulsions because, to be fair, for the minor powers, I think they're the most common for people to take. Sure. If they're, if they're not rolling. So you have energy expulsion, cold. Surprised me that wasn't in the main book. Energy expulsion, energy aura. Directed sound. Electromagnetic pulse. A flame ring, which is obviously different than just fire. Mm -hmm. Force, force blast. Icy sure. mist. Uh, ultrasonic screech. <laughs> I think that's the last one. Oh no, plasma. Okay, okay. Let's do uh, let's do the dumbest one. Uh, go back up. Okay. There's one that sounded just really, really stupid. Icy mist. Oh. Yes, icy mist. That's it. Okay. Character's able to generate a mist of numbing cold around his or her body to cover a particular area. If the mist is made around the super being, it moves with the character and causes damage to anyone entering the cold radius. So it's a damage shield okay. if used in that way. A cloud of mist hangs over one location, affecting only those who enter it. Got a 10-foot radius. Damage victims caught in the cold mist suffer a maximum of 3d6 cold damage for every five seconds. That seems kind of lame. It is. Um, excuse me. <laughs> While generating the cold mist, the character is impervious to cold. Well, good. Well, but only, only while generating the mist. Now, remember, this is a minor power. Yeah. It's a minor power. Uh, when not generating the mist, he's still resistant to cold, half damage, and likes cool temperatures as low as freezing. Oh, well, this is like my brother, man. He's a weirdo in Minnesota who was like 40 degrees outside. He opens up the windows and turns on the fans. What the hell's your problem? Um, <laughs> but uh, duration, one full melee, but can be instantly renewed. So it just comes as an action. And it takes two melee actions to generate the mist. So, okay. So it takes two actions and then last one melee. Eh, okay. And then one to, one to keep it up, right? It says one full melee. Yeah, one full melee. So it's a melee round. Yeah. So it's the only thing you can do the entire round. And uh, how long is a round again? Well, it says any remaining actions can be performed by the character as normal. So it's 15 sure, seconds. So 15 it takes seconds. you okay. two actions to, to pop it up. Now, remember, yeah. in Heroes Unlimited 2nd Edition, you're going to have four actions, you know, barring right. being weird. Um, so it's going to take up half your actions, but it's going to last a full round. So you still get your other two actions to shoot or run or whatever. Well, also think of it this way. This isn't so stupid. I mean, it's a little, it's a little stupid, but it, it's, it's uh, by the numbers pretty effective because you can, you can activate this power and have it last for the entire round. And it does 3d6 damage every five seconds. That's 3d6 times three. Well, if I would say that it'd be uh, times two, because it's the uh, two actions would take away the first five seconds. But what about I mean, just maintaining it? It only takes oh, yeah, one. Yeah, for, for the, that's true. For the next round, can be instantly okay, so two, instantly and then three, renewed. three, three, three. As long as you're maintaining it, it'll be three, three attacks. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't parse it that that um, the first round I would because the first round specifically says takes two melee actions. But right. after that, can be instantly renewed. Counts as one melee action. After that, I would agree with you. Yeah. 
The first round, I'd say it'd be two applications of it. After that, it'd be three applications. But of it. rules as written, you can use all of your actions and it just happens right away, right? Yeah. Um, well, see, I didn't look at it that closely when I looked at it earlier. So, victims caught in the cold mist suffer a maximum of 3d6 cold damage for every five seconds in the mist, equal to two or three melee attacks. So, basically, every two attacks would be uh, 3d6 damage. And you don't have to do anything at that point. They just have to be around. Yeah, it's a damage shield. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's it's that's actually okay. I, For I the cost of one attack, having if somebody's trying to fist fight you, it's a very yeah. good counter. Yeah, hurting them every five seconds that they're around you, wanting to hurt you, it, it's, it's a pretty good reason for folk to just go away. All right, let's um let's move on here. What I like I said, what I wanted to show here is that there are a ton more energy expulsions. Remember, these are minor powers that we're still looking at. Um, I don't know why I picked that one. That seems odd that I would pick something as simple as flight. Uh, feral. Flight why hover? would you? Why would you? I'm sure okay. there are a lot of uh, combat bonuses with feral. Um. Okay. Oh, I know why I picked flight because there are there was already was a gliding, um, yeah. winged and wingless flight. Now you have energy flight and hover, hover which I think is the dumbest power ever i read this a couple of times just to make sure that it's all it did hey look you get the ability to rise it's like levitate really hovers just levitate yeah for a niche character for something that's interesting in a one-off or for an npc i think this is interesting i don't have an issue with the power that way but for somebody to waste a uh a a, a minor power on flight uh, you'd be hard pressed to explain why you're doing that uh, well, to hover. me. What's that? Hover flight, not regular flight. Yeah, yeah, hover. Yeah, right, right. Hover specifically. Speed is ten miles per hour, plus five per level. So I mean, I guess later on you can move pretty quickly. Just doesn't start that way. Plus ten bonus to prowl skill and doesn't leave footprints. Okay, if you're being sneaky, sneaky, sure, and you want to yeah. do this and just kind of push Super yourself off guy, the wall. He wants that extra bonus to prowl to get him over a hundred. He'll take flight hover. That's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But Plus again, two to, like, just like you said, niche. Yeah. Plus two to dodge when hovering or moving through the air. And plus two to damage for every 20 miles an hour of flight speed. Well, again, you're not going to get, gonna that, get that until at least level three. So, I mean, re-looking at it, I will say that plus five miles per hour. Okay, that's not so bad once the character's higher level. But this is definitely a power that you oh, build into. It really is that bad because the regular minor power of wingless flight or winged flight, really, is 200 or 220 base. Right, right, right. No, I got you. So it's it's ridiculously slow compared to that. I mean, we'll look at flight energy, 160. I mean, plus 20 per, per level experience. I, I absolutely get what you're saying. I'm trying I'm trying to put a positive spin on this okay, one. Put a positive spin on this, on this weak sauce-ass thing. Okay. Hey, look, flight insect. You can have bug wings. Okay. Oh, that on. sounds great. No. Flying force disc. Hey, hey, hey. It's Spencer's that, floating disc, man. There you go. There you go. Uh, That's something. You can giant, use it on other people and other things. Giant was one that I thought was interesting because unlike growth, you're just big. There you go. And we're going to look at one in the next book called Dwarfism. Dude, it turns you into a dwarf. I mean, a little midget? No. No, I mean like as in a fantasy dwarf. Nice. <laughs> we'll look at that in a little bit. But, but Giant, I thought was interesting because, yeah, you're nine feet tall. This isn't something that you, you have a superpower that you now all of a sudden... Are you speaking the magic words? She grows. Do, 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 do. Nope, you're just big. 
Yep. And you get physical strength bonus and yeah. it, it gets higher as you go up in level. You get an SDC bonus. It gets higher as you go up in level. You get armor rating gets higher as you go up in level, but it's not like you can turn it off. Right. Yep. You're, you're just Andre the giant now. That's just how you are. <laughs> you're bigger than him. Fair. Uh, I chose not to look at gun limb, but if you want to look at it, no, you know. fine. I, I want to look okay. at extraordinary intelligence. Uh, I, I think that's in the other book. I think I might, right. I, I might be wrong, but we'll get to Hard that book in a moment. Armor rating. That's a good one. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Hard armor. armor well, I kind of figured that just made sense. It gives you armor yeah. rating. Yeah. Sure. Um, again, I don't want to look at everything in here. Uh, heavyweight heightened sense of time. Hold breath. Cause you know what? Hey, look at this though. They do have some kind of cool ones with like immunity to magic. I mean, it might seem niche, but depending on the game on that you're campaign, playing, yep, it could be very, very important. My favorite one, yeah. Immunity to Psionics. Yeah, depending on your campaign, very important. Uh, I want to go to page 41, so we're going 10 pages down. Zip, 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 zip. All right, oh, that's 35. What's that picture? Oh, it looks true, that one. Nerdy Ogre says, Comanche Chief, Enectoc. Yes. <laughs> But no, it's 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 not that cool. That's actual growth power. That's growth, not giant. Bunch of shadow stuff. I, I didn't cover those because I mean, again, I, yeah, I had what, they're what you'd think they would be. Yeah, I had APS shadow and shadow shadow stepping, so I could teleport between shadows. Now there are a couple of weird ones here, and I have a note written down here: very niche powers. The first one is sliding. At will, the character can generate a body field that renders him totally frictionless. Wait, what? The field okay. can be controlled with fine precision, allowing the hero to remain standing, yet to make the rest of him frictionless so that punches, kicks, and other physical hand-to-hand -hand attacks slide right off of him, doing half damage. Hey, it's an automatic roll with punch-fall without having to waste the action for it. But if you want to take a quarter damage, you can still roll with punch-fall. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Or he can make his whole body frictionless so that he can slide along the ground on his back, belly, knees, and feet at impressive speeds. You are losing on normal ground. Yeah. I mean, the only friction against you is... No, wait. There is no friction. No, it's friction none. There's no friction it's at all. It's none. It's none. The only thing that's going to stop you is gravity, and that's going to take a long time if there's no friction to help. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Can slide along the ground at a speed of 80 miles per hour plus five per level of experience. Jesus. I, I'm sliding into second, third, home. I'm just going to keep sliding going. in the parking lot. Sliding <laughs> in the parking lot, right. Uh, so plus two to dodge, plus one to roll, punch, fall, impact, and the character cannot be grappled. Well, if you remember the uh, scenario that I ran through a couple weeks ago, that could be important. Yeah. Instead of having to break that grapple check, just no, you can't do it. You just slide right out. It's, it's, like, it's like being covered in the world's greatest soap. <laughs> you are the slippery, the, the greased pig. Exactly. There it is. Uh, can perform a sliding body tackle doing 2d6 damage plus 4 for every 20 miles an hour. Okay, that's so awesome. Base, that's a plus 2, 4, 8, 10. Yeah, it's plus uh, 10. Well, 7, uh, if you're oh, talking okay, down. No, 4, that's plus 20. Plus 20? No. I'm, I'm doing stream math. I'm sorry. Okay, no, no. So it'd be 7 plus 4 would be a base of 11. It'd be an average of 11 points of damage. Okay. That's is. still pretty good. Remember, most of these characters still only start with 20 SDC plus their yeah, WD-40, man. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the next one that I thought was really weird. Uh, bounce. Bounce. You are, this you are is flubber, actually man. based off of a comic, uh, comic book character, Speedball. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I, I call them Flubberman. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. 
<laughs> the character can bounce like a human rubber ball. If trapped in a tall building, he can escape by jumping through a window, fall 10 stories, hit the ground without harm, and gleefully bounce away. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah. It's a oh, happy fun ball. It's, it's happy fun ball. Uh, this power cannot be taken and combined with other super speed abilities. Oh, but maybe combined with flying abilities. So uh, here we go. What can you do? You can you get a speed bonus. I want you to look at that speed bonus. It's 46 nice, but... plus 12. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, side note here. So uh, in Bear's uh, Palladium Fantasy game, he's decided to give uh, speed a bonus. Because you know that right now in Palladium, speed doesn't give you a bonus to anything. Sure. And he said, hey, I'm going with the TMNT rule of, uh, of speed increases your initiative. I'm like, speed doesn't increase your initiative in TMNT. Speed uh, increases your dodge. I didn't look at it closely enough because it doesn't matter. In the new TMNT re uh, redo, speed gives you a bonus to your initiative. That's crazy. That I don't is like crazy. it. I don't like it because initiative is already so so important so important and the hand-to-hand -hand skills my character in the played in fantasy game has a has a 33 speed which apparently by the chart for the new tmnt that's coming out is a plus six to initiative initiative in palladium is king if yes. you go first you control the entire tempo of the battle mm -hmm. Getting i understand a, sorry no, no, having like super speed and bionic ears gives you like a plus 15 or something uh, initiative and that means you're probably going to go first every time and you are going to control the battle so adding speed to that i mean if you get super speed power you get a speed of like 200 speed attribute or something like 200 some nonsense like that mm -hmm. so if you add that to your initiative as well you got an issue plus 40 you just that's ridiculous it, yeah. it's it's not going to translate well into this game I, li I like the old tmnt version which it added to dodge that makes sense also makes dodge because it costs an action Something that you might want to consider over parry if you've got a plus three, four, or five to that, even more than normal. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not a fan of the initiative one, and I and I hope that that's something that they rethink going forward because, as we theoretically think that they're trying to unify the the Palladium system a little better, that's gonna build into games like this and rifts where characters you know having a sixty speed is almost normal. Um, yeah, I. I, I Initiative's the wrong one, but I do understand not having speed as a dump stat. Let's just put it that way. So anyway, I just thought I'd, I'd put that out there uh, for, for you. Um, I like, like I said, I like the old TMNT style where it adds to dodge. I think that makes sense. But to speed isn't your ability, isn't your reaction, isn't your quickness. That's what physical prowess is. Yep. You know, speed is just your raw ability yeah. to run. And I could see that type of speed being, oh, crap, you know, to help you to dodge, to dodge out of the way, tumble and roll, whatever. But yeah. Okay. But going first, no. It, it, it doesn't equate to hand-eye coordination. Right, right. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not blaming, just so everybody knows, I'm not blaming Bear. I, I, I understand why he's doing that. And if it is the way Palladium's going forward, he's just incorporating it sooner. I just think that that is a, the wrong <laughs> way to go forward. So, but to, And the reason I bring that up is because, again, all of a sudden right here, 46 plus 12. Well, what's the running skill? It's 44, right? Well, this is 46 plus 12. So if you take 7, 14 plus 12, uh, that's 26. That's an average of 26 boost to your speed just for being bouncy. And even if you started with 11, that's that, that's going to give you bonuses to initiative. It's like, what, at least plus three, four to five. That's crazy. 
Nerdy Ogre, no, speed should not add to attacks per melee. Uh, actually, speed uh, speed stuff does. Uh, extraordinary speed and supersonic speed and supersonic flight do add <sighs> attacks, do add melee actions. Uh, well, maybe I can see that for like the supernatural type stuff. Like, I mean, the Flash is obviously going to have yeah. more attacks per round yeah. than you. I get yeah. that. Yeah. But but the speed, but this is what I want to be very clear about. The speed attribute itself Right. is raw running power it isn't You're faster right. fists it's just yes. raw running power so it shouldn't add. and palladium already has a dearth of attacks as it is i don't think more attacks are anything that anybody needs i like i like it i like the second edition version where it's four attacks base and five six seven eight i, I think that's all good but if you start adding speed to that now you people got 12 attacks per round <laughs> it doesn't get that bad but I, I understand where you're coming from so anywho uh bouncing travel uh, has anybody seen that Rick and Morty episode with the, <laughs> the with the brain balls? First, he bounced four meters high. Then he bounced seven meters high. Then he bounced two meters high. Uh, I, I, all, when I see bouncing travel, it's all I think of is that episode where Bender was going to blow everybody up. I said, I'm sorry, did I say Rick and Morty? I meant Futurama. Right. Um, propels himself by bouncing on the ground. Hyper ricochet bouncing propels the character like a wildly bouncing rubber ball ricocheting off the walls. I mean, that seems cool and very niche, but it seems cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool visual. And you're going at triple your speed attribute when you do this. But it's only possible down hallways, stairways, narrow alleyways, because you have to have walls all the way around or else you're literally going to bounce away. Yeah. If you bounce um, in an open space, you just keep going. So, uh, Mar Hawkman, this isn't Dragon Ball Z, this is Palladium, and Palladium spells it out word for word. It says, speed is nothing but the raw ability to run faster. So, um, scale walls, survive uh, survive falls, obviously you're bouncing. Survive explosive impact, because you go boom and you just bounce. Ding, ding. Yeah, it is a physical attack after all, and you're used to bouncing off physical objects that are, you know, completely resistant to you. So, I get it. And then SDC bonus, 66 plus 6. Well, That's... I understand why it's not a lot, because already it says you take no damage from falls from any height. I think that is a lot. Not, not too much. I like it. I'm just saying, but I think it is it's a not lot. not a lot. It's a good amount, but it's not like, oh, my God. It's well, if you're like, a character oh. that starts at 20, and now you're adding on uh, 14, 21, plus uh, 27 more. Average. Average 27 more. Uh, you know, I, no, it doesn't compare to anybody with alter physical structure, whatever oh, that, that could have like up to a thousand. But having, uh, you know, over doubling your SDC again, not complaining. I just think it's neat. It's one of those things that hmm, maybe bouncing if you thought it was niche at first and kind of weird. Well, again, we I didn't even cover it, but bounce attack, you can do uh, 46 damage. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to the last one that I'm going to look at from this book, unless Eden Dog wants me to look at something specific, we're going to go to page 46. Um, and this is one that I wanted to ask, did this come from a superhero? And that is toy control. I was like, what? Well, there's right off the bat, there's the toy maker. I, I don't know who that is. He's a either. He's a flash enemy, I believe. Okay. Uh the this Flash is... has the dumbest enemies. <laughs> right. Seriously, the friggin' dumbest. Well, this Captain is a... Cold, shut up. Well, didn't Batman have Mr. Freeze? Yeah, but Captain Cold was worse. Okay. <laughs> toy control. This is the strange ability to animate children's stuffed animals and toys, including toy trucks and remote control vehicles. How do you creep out your kid 
all of a sudden the fire oh. truck just started. Woo, woo, woo. Well, no, you've seen Poltergeist, right? That freaking yeah. clown. Yeah, there you go. Yes, that clown doll that freaked me out when I saw it. And I, I was, I was, I was significantly older than the than the kid. It was freaking out. And I was still freaked. I was like, God damn, I'm surprised that kid didn't pee himself. <laughs> right. He, all of a sudden, your little teddy bear jumps up on the table and looks up at you. You're like, yeah. The hell? Um, this Wraps is prob- his arms around you, starts strangling you to death. That's not great, man. <laughs> I, this is probably more of a power for a villain. Yeah. It, I'm sure every one of you are going to leave comments now about how you could use toy control as a hero. And I agree with you. And I believe you, I'm just saying this is probably more a villain style power for its potential creepiness. Um, the link to toys also provides a character with all the information regarding everything about the toy, how it works. So now those transformers you couldn't figure out as a kid, guess what? Now, you know, <laughs> now you, know. Uh, and you can make him do it himself. You can actually transform them like in the show. Good job. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, uh, stuffed animals, even really large ones, never do more than a D4 damage. Well, good. <laughs> Wood toys get plus one damage bonus. Metal toys get an extra die of damage. Hey, so the original Transformers that were die cast metal. Yep. <laughs> extra damage. All right, anyway, um, it talks about stuffed animals, how many attacks per melee you get, uh, bonuses, and so forth. So, And talks about the limitations as well. I just thought it was a kind of a neat power. Something that's not related to anything in the Heroes Unlimited book. So uh, this just goes to show, now we're going to skip to the next book again, unless Heathen Dog really wants to look at a, at a specific power. You know which one I want. I think it's in book three. Okay, yep. Um, Could be in book two for all I know. Oh, no, actually, I have a couple more. I, I don't know why I put a line there. Like, I didn't. That's okay. 52. Uh, oh, it's because that's the end of the minor powers. Now we're into the major powers. Look at all of these altered physical structure again. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. Matter expulsion. This is a way of uh, basically shooting bullets of steel crystal parts of your body that turn into uh, crystal steel. So absorb biomass. This is one I had to read twice. <laughs> Remember, major powers have typically more than one effect or one really, niche really ability. broad effect. Yeah, right. It's you. Yeah, it's usually how, how do you say it? it's it's usually an umbrella that includes a lot of minor powers underneath it. So what could absorb biomass do? This bizarre power enables the superhuman to temporarily absorb other living creatures into his own body, making them disappear. It's that Futurama guy where he just... The blob. Uh, When this happens, the super being bulks up, becomes heavier, and more muscular. You might be saying, why would I ever allow somebody to do this? Oh, wait, there's more. The power is limited to fellow humanoids and most animals, excluding insects microbes and plants so sorry you're not going to eat a dragonfly or a cockroach okay absorbing another living creature into his own body allows the character to draw on the strength and stamina of that creature without killing it see it right there without killing it sure only three creatures beings may be absorbed at one time oh only three that's still a lot that's a lot of folk once an animal or humanoid Personal effects are absorbed too, but cannot be used, is absorbed into the character. The character gets the following. That being's physical strength, physical endurance, and speed attributes temporarily added to his own. So absorbing grandma, probably not an awesome thing. Absorbing babies, unless it's your thing, isn't going to help you a whole lot. Absorbing, say, Usain Bolt or <laughs> the mountain, that's oh, probably yeah. where you want to go. <laughs> yep. Uh. 
Including, so our attitudes on including bonuses, excuse me. In addition, Super Being also gains SDC and armor rating, if any. By the way, many reptiles and other natural, or, or sorry, many reptiles and other animals have natural armor rating. If you are including mutants in your game, mutant animals, Big like, animal. I don't know, I might just swallow Leonardo now because I'm going to get his turtle shell. All right. There's usually no point to observing small animals like mice or bear. Okay, we don't need to read all. Again, we're not doing a deep dive here. But you get the idea. It's like, wow. So, uh, to observe others, a super being must touch his intended victim. Like, hey, heathen dog. <laughs> Wait, what? What just happened? Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll be fine later. Um, last for a couple of minutes. The sentient, uh, sentient victims can try to save versus the absorption, but need to roll a 16 or higher to save. Animals need a 17 or higher. Psychics and mutant animals need a 15 or higher. So mm. you can try to save, but uh, at this point, if, if so, if I'm running or playing in a Heroes Unlimited game and Heathen Dog's like, oh, by the way, I've got this, uh, uh, this absorbed biomass power, I think we're going to have a conversation. Is this something that we want in the game? Is this something that we as characters are, are willing to uh, put up with? Because A, he's going to take us out of the game to do his own thing. I mean, that's, that's what the power is intended for, right? Mm -hmm. You could easily say, no, 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 it's for NPCs. The power is intended for you to use the best of what you've got around you, and other superheroes are going to give him the most. So are we okay with that? If your group's okay with that, cool. I think it could absolutely be fun, more for a one-off, though. I wouldn't want to do it every time. Like, oh, well, let's give Heathen Dog all his powers again. I'll be back in a half hour. Tell me how the fight turns out. Or if, if the bad guy is all pontificating and, and monologuing, you just absorb it and say, okay, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> right, stop talking. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, it's one of those that, again, goes back to, I think it's really niche, but also interesting at the same time. Sure. I think this is for an NPC or a villain, but, you know, your mileage may vary. And Wait, uh, hang on, hang on. Skorbaka says, can't use it on supernatural creatures. Does it say that? Oh, uh, I don't remember it saying that. There's another it creature. Oh, uh, the absorb extra SDC. AR large creatures best fuel. Also note that boosted strength is on the scale of normal for the super being. So if the character normally has extraordinary strength, the additional physical strength is boosted in the extraordinary scale. If it's superhuman, the boost is on that scale. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, it's for victims while looking. Inside. I see nothing here. Does not work. Oh, oh, right there, right there. On fellow super beings, creatures of magic, or supernatural okay. beings. There it is. Yep. I, I missed is. that the first. It's a big note too, and that. I missed yeah. that the first you time. Can't, read. You can't use it on on uh, actual people that you'd want to use it on. Oh wait, wait, wait. The only exceptions are heroes who fall into non super categories like physical training, hardware, physical oh. training. Oh, oh, psychics and mutant animals can usually be absorbed, but for half the duration, and they will have some inkling about what just happened to them. Well, yeah, they have to make a saving throw. Well, no, 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 but yeah, but they get to make a saving throw twice as fast as everyone else. I mean, the hardware you're probably not going to go for, but the physical training and special training? Oh, definitely. Yeah, man. What about the ancient master? Oh my God. He, he's considered physical training. Yeah. Or he's, considered, he's one of those. So yeah, you could get him too. Holy crap. So, I mean, even if you don't get a lot from him physically, taking that chess piece off the board is huge. All right, let's, um, we're going to scroll down and we're going to look for, oh, here we go. All the altered physical structures. Heathen Dog, pick one as we go through. 
Okay. We have uh, crystal. Physical structure. Is there sand or fog? Uh, we'll find out. We have uh, crystal, light, lava, oil or tar. <laughs> you can become La Brea. Uh, putty. Because you know what? You always want to transfer those comic books from your Sunday. Exactly. Picker. I want to. I want to touch a comic page and bring it up and show <laughs> everyone that I, I I can touch comic. Rubber, so you can be. Uh, oh, was it? I'm like rubber. You're like glue. Sand? Did you say sand? There it is, sand. There it is. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. So I just want to show what people can be. Uh, shadow. Now, this that's is one I that I foresee people probably taking a lot. Yep. Uh, vapor or fog, because if you want... Yeah, I'm a vape. <laughs> uh, wood, because why not get lit on fire? Oh, there we go. Oh, well, no, no, you're, you're considered wet wood, so you don't light on fire <laughs> easily. <laughs> okay. All right, let's look at sand. You can be the sand man. This major ability allows a super being to change his physical form to sand. Typically, the hero remains human shape, but can change form shape at will. So, physical attacks do no damage. You have an AR of 14, SDC of 250. Only when in sand form, but still. Increased mass and strength. Weight is doubled. Uh, who cares? Uh, add 1d6 plus 6, so an average of 9 to physical defense. 9.5, so really 10. Physical strength. Yes. Yep. Alter shape in sand form. As a walking mound of sand, the character can push his hand from body through openings as small as a keyhole. So you're, yeah, that makes sense. Go through cracks and stuff. Yeah, makes yep. sense. Sandstorm. You can create a, a sandstorm covering 10 feet. Basically, you just are spinning in a big circle. Don't get dizzy. Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> Victims are at minus six to strike. So not quite blind because that's minus 10, but that's pretty bad. You can sandblast people for a damage of 1d6 plus one per level experience. Now, Kinda, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't most attacks 1d6 per level of experience? Yes. This is 1d6 plus 1, and I know that plus 1 might not sound a lot like a lot, but imagine you're now 8th level. You got an automatic plus 8. Yeah, so you're going to do a minimum of 9 damage every time. That Having that as a, as a baseline, you can really make tactical decisions. Well, it's, it's even more than that, because at 8th level, you're going to have 8d6 also. So you're going to have 8d6 plus 8, you're going to do a minimum of 16. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, you're eighth level. You're 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 pretty high up there. Now, now, you hang, can... on, hang on, there there are two schools of thought on this. Is it one d six plus one per level of experience, or is it one d six plus one per level of experience? When I see it all mashed together like this as one uniform statement, then it to me that's one d six plus one, two d six plus two, three. If I, I, I if there if there's a space, then I look at it the other way. But I also know that palladium can have some typos, so who knows? Yeah. yeah. Now, this is where it comes down to one of the things you hear us talk a lot about in Palladium games. This is up to the game master to, to, make, uh, to, make a yeah, to make a judgment call. It doesn't matter. If Heathen Dog wants to say it's 1d6 and then plus 1, plus 2, plus 3, and I want to say that it's 1d6, 2d6, 3d6, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Just remember, it, my rationale would be this is a major power, not a minor power. Yeah. So I'd probably lean towards the extra damage, but you know, hey. Uh, sand blind with a called shot at minus three to strike the character can sand blind another character which now makes it minus 10 to strike yeah because you put literally sand in his eye yep you put dirt in his eye you you're you're, you're bully mcguire at this point and and he's not just shaking it out like oh that's that's no, there it's no stuck in there it is it is it is in there and it hurts <clears throat> and it is it is pretty debilitating Sand behemoth. The character can, can add additional sand, dirt, or earth to his form to increase his mass two or three more times. Because remember, he's already bigger. Yep. Uh, note that using ordinary dirt or earth instead of sand reduces his AR by four points. 
Okay, so you want to go for sand. So beach, you do not fight this guy on a beach. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good plan. He, he's, your, he's your lifeguard. Um, burying attack. Oh, you can try to bury people. That's great. Merge with sand, dirt, or earth. Will that make sense? Character completely merged into sand. Cannot be seen. He's like, uh, uh, um, oh my god, uh, Rambo 2 in the dirt. It's just his eyes open up. Oh, right. Eyes open in there. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay. Once merged with sand, dirt, or earth, the character can create an area of quicksand. That's not a fun way to die, by the way. Well, quicksand is got a got a hype. Yeah, it's that not is true. As, as people think, but it's still not a fun time. Depends on how deep it is, really. Yeah, and usually, um, usually they're they're not deep enough to kill an average adult human. Right. Other abilities and bonuses: SDC of the uh, sorry, the SDC of the sand recovers at three times the normal rate. You emit no heat in sand form. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. So, anywho, again, just breezing through. This is an overview, but uh, that's one of the alter physical structures that are new to. Uh, this is a uh, power uh, powers unlimited one. Um, I wrote down the list in here of all the new ones, but I showed it on the screen, so we don't. All right, and there's one more I want to look at, and it's because when I first saw it, I was like, "This is going to be dumb," and then I saw everything that it can do. And it might sound silly. It might look silly. But there's actually some benefit to it. Energy doppelganger. Generate fog and smoke. Gateways. We're going to look at one that's similar to gateways in the next book. Um, some crazy looking beyond the supernatural dude. No, that is a uh, that is a magician, a stage magician from the yeah. main book. So he can I thought, oh, I thought that was beyond the supernatural. Nope. Okay. All right. Mega wings. What? Mega wings. Okay. Yep. The character has physical wings, much like wing flight power, but these wings appear to be made of metal or semi-transparent glass crystal. Here, let's take a look right there. There's some mega wings for you. You cannot hide mega wings. Who'd want to, man? Look at that. <laughs> right? Wings are super strong, can take a lot of damage, and enable the character to fly higher and faster than normal wings. That's why they're mega wings. Makes sense. They're, 15, they're 16 to 20 feet. You're not hiding them. Mm. All right, it makes getting through narrow spaces difficult, whatever. But what bonuses do you get? Well, plus 1d4 to physical beauty attribute. Why? Because you're basically angelic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's people, people since they were children have some form of angel creature that they love from their stories. And you now represent that in real life. So unconsciously, they're going to react better to you. Flight speed is 360 plus 40 per level. You're zipping along. Yep. Uh, plus 60 SDC. Again, we're not going to read every literal, every little thing here. Natural AR for the wings. Oh, I want to shoot those wings off of him. Okay, 16. Natural AR, 16. SDC for the wings, 330 each. Yep. And they regener regenerate a 1D6 times 10 per hour. And one so of the, the special powers is wing cocoon, which is excellent. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually the one that made me want to take a look yes. at this. So by folding the wings around himself or another, I shall protect you, my lovely. The character is able to create an armored cocoon to shield himself from attacks. The wings taking all the damage leveled at him. Of course, only rolls a strike there 17 or higher do damage. Again, that's because the armor rating. The rest bounce off harmony. Oh, it's natural armor rating. Yes. Cocoon can only be used when grounded or hovering. Again, that makes sense. But uh, you can now put a protective co uh, a cover around somebody. Again, it's got that angelic feel to it. Wing parry can be used like a shield to parry an attack. 
wing attack. Character can use the wings. I'm sorry, the character can use the wings both in flight and while on the ground to slash or hit uh, opponents. 1d6, or adds 1d6 to a normal punch plus physical strength. Uh, Yeah. But it's a cocoon ability that was like... Yeah, yeah, that's that's really in there. So, all right. Oh, hang on. Uh, When you initially get the power, go go back a little bit to the top of that page on the right side. Uh, Where do you want it? Right there. It says SDC. Hang on. Zoom, right zoom in. Zoom in, please. Right there. Zoom in there. Uh, wing regeneration is only 1d4 times. The hero can have special mega wings that materialize on command and can be summoned at will. So if you take a hit, minus 50% SDC from each wing, and they only regenerate 1d4 times 10 instead of 1d6, you can have them that pop out or just magically appear when you want them to. I got you. Yeah, I, di- I didn't actually read this the first time through. Yep. So... Okay, cool. Um, I think that's all that I've got. Oh, I, I so I have. Uh, Heathen Dog gets to pick one more. Uh, nope, I'm I'm waiting for what I want. No, no. I'm well, that'll be the next book, but you get to pick one more of this book, and that's because we're going down to the last new thing in this book. Psionics. Yep, we have a bunch of new psionics, and since I don't give a rat's behind about psionics, <laughs> here we go. New psionic abilities. We have Calm Rage, Wound Transfer. I love this. I don't like that. Nope. <laughs> uh, intuitive combat, machine ghost, mask IP, et cetera, et cetera. Intuitive et cetera. combat. I think that's going to be the most useful for the sensitive abilities. Intuitive combat. Okay. Just leave these on the screen for just a second for people to look at. All right. Intuitive combat. Uh, intuitive combat. It's a sensitive power. Let's scroll over here. All right. Self duration is two melee rounds per level of experience. Cost 10 ISP. Is 10 ISP a lot for Heroes Unlimited? In the beginning, yeah. Okay. This is a form of telepathy and enhanced awareness geared to give the psychic an advantage in melee combat. To put this ability in place, the psychic must concentrate for one full melee round, so 15 seconds, putting himself in a zen-like state. Sure. That seems awful, but okay. (laughs) For the next two rounds, the intuitive combat sense makes the character one with his body and weapon, reacting quickly and efficiently with amazing reflex action. Okay, what does it give? Plus three to initiative. Again, that's great up until... Tim and T. speed gives plus 20. Yes. I, Sean, Kevin, please, please, please rethink that. That's that's not a good change. It's not a good change. Um, plus one to strike, plus one to parry, plus four to dodge, plus four to pull punch. No, I like that. I like, I like it when the game adds more reasons to use dodge because I hear people talk about it so many times. Dodge is useless when you can parry because it takes an action. And I like the idea that, hey, plus four to dodge, Versus plus one to parry, you know what? I might consider using that action now. But these bonuses aren't the real draw. Not yet, it's right. What comes next. Yep. That's the real draw. Cannot, Cannot be caught by surprise, even by attacks from behind or from long range. And what you attacks always win initiative? The movement of the air of the bullet heading for you, mm-hmm. so you can try and dodge it. That's bananas. it's the Rima Williams thing. I saw you move. Yes. Uh, yes, but you actually hear the tendon squeeze the tendon of the finger as a person squeeze the squeeze the trigger of a bullet it's crazy putting this into direct game mechanic terms though what attacks always go first even if you have initiative long range surprise attacks exactly always go first guess what not anymore right not to you yep. not for you plus 10 percent abilities provided by acrobatics or gymnastics as well as plus 10 uh 
climb and swim. This would be one of the few times that I would let a character take both acrobatics and gymnastics right. because it feeds into the power. Right. Now, cannot be caught by surprise, comma, which means there is no surprise for you. It doesn't exist. Right. You are ultimately aware of everything around you and what could affect you. Everything. You can't be caught by surprise for any reason. It doesn't give caveats. It doesn't give addendums. No, just says cannot be caught by surprise. There is one. There is one caveat that is at the beginning. You okay. actually have to have the power on. Oh right, you have to have the power on. Okay, fair enough. So, all right, um, there we go. Let's uh, let's skip to book three now. Close this out for just a. I said, I said let me close this out. Uh, go to book three. Now, power is unlimited. So why am I skipping two? Because like I said earlier, two is more about power categories. Book three is going to get back into the uh, into the abilities. Oh, okay. Apparently I wrote this one out differently. So let's uh, let's take a look at the list here. Oops. Uh, scroll down. Another long list of abilities. Oh, yeah. And and of course, because of the most common ones, uh, I, I like to point this out. Let's look at these energy expulsion ones. Heat, light, particle beam, you now have a PPC. Nice. What's interesting about this one, it says it can only come from the eyes. You can only be Cyclops. There it is. Awesome. Uh, Shadow Bolt and Sonic Boom. That's right. You get to be Guile, baby. Gun. You can get a boom gun in okay. Heroes Unlimited. Interesting you should say that because in the next video, you were going to see actually more rifts ported over into uh, into Heroes Unlimited. Oh, but I, the first thing there. I thought of... There it is it? right there. Extraordinary Intelligence. Yep, I, I know that's the one you want to look at, and we will definitely get to that. I think I wrote that one down. Uh, I did not. Um, but no, the Sonic Boom just reminded me of Guile from Street Fighter 2. Sonic oh. Boom! <laughs> Sonic Boom! That was my guy when I played. So, uh, okay. anywho, uh, scroll. we're going to be looking at Pixie Dust because why? Why? Well, maybe it's better than it sounds. It sticky Globs. Sticky Globs. I mean, just the name that's, Sticky that's Globs. Yeah. I want it. Uh, by the way, for those who don't know, I played a Champions game where my character had goo guns. So every time I see goo powers, I always like, hey, uh, it's one character, but it was still kind of a niche thing. So, And then, and then look at all these. I think there are more super major powers in this book than in the other one. I think you're right. But look at all those alter physical structure. What, it's like a million of pebbles? them. Pebbles. Yep, pebbles. I think I got that written down to look at. Mercury foam. Foam? What are you oh. at a rave in Florida? Get out of here. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can turn into bubbles. Uh, anyway, Ragdoll. That, you know, if you want to get thrown around a bit, I guess that's one. I guess Raggedy Andy doesn't take as much damage. I mean, it worked for Chucky, right? <laughs> uh, animal abilities should have just said, go look at After the Bomb. Um, but uh, And by the way, again, I'm not poo-pooing on this book. I think these books really 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 do add a lot to the game work with your game master game masters have all the right in the world to say no i don't want to add this to the game some are very niche some just add a new twist on something but but look them over i think that uh, to be fair i think books one and three are a complete benefit to heroes unlimited now as somebody who's played it much more than i have what are your thoughts on that I believe that as well i mean uh the the important part is that these powers most of them are so niche that you would only use them if if the character is already moving down that path right like if if you if you got if you rolled normally aps shadow and you wanted uh, an expulsion power and you rolled energy expulsion i would say you know what i'm just gonna have you choose shadow bolt right it fits with the thing it does the yep. same damage it's the flavor you want yep. 
stuff like that. But on page 15 is is the is the Dune force field. Okay. We'll get so to uh you, you you can stop me when you get there because I'm only looking at page 10 and then the two that you want after that. So let's go to page 10 because I have to do this. I have to look at dwarfing. <laughs> I saw this. I was like, what? At first glance, this oddball, yeah, oddball power seems similar to the major super ability shrink. But unlike that power, the character with dwarfing can only reduce his height by 50%. All right, exactly by half. No more, no less. Okay. So you turn into a halfling. Strangely, the character's normal weight or mass is tripled when dwarf. Hmm. Seems Increasing strange. his relative density and strength. His clothing, but not his equipment, also shrinks with him because it would be weird if it didn't. Break comic code. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, what do you get? A natural AR of ten. Eh. Plus one d six times ten SDC. That's all right. That's all right. Plus five to that. prowl. You are Plus two d four to physical strength. Oliver, it's not super unless you also have some kind of superpower. Right. That makes Excuse me. Ugh. Um. So. You can leap a hmm. distance equal to his PS times two feet or times four for those with supernatural leaps. Because, oh, because of your dense musculature, you can have explosive movement faster. Okay. I got you. Uh, I think this is actually less than the normal jump, isn't it? Oh, it says, due to the hero's compact muscles and added strength when dwarfed, he can, and added strength, he can leap a distance equal to his hmm. physical strength times two in feet. So if your physical strength is, say, average 11, that means you can jump 22 feet. Yeah, that's, that's that is normal. more than normal. You're, you're that's right. Not you're normal. Right. That's not normal. <laughs> um, this, the character speed attributes have also. That's because you're short legs. This power to me is, again, one of those that is so niche. No player character yeah. should have this power. Well, it, it's in the comics. Puck. I mean, if, if, if Puck had these two powers, he was he dwarfed and he had the bouncy ball power. I'm still going to say characters, player characters should not have this. I, I get it. I, I'm not saying that. And, and to be fair, I'm not saying there's anything wrong playing niche yeah, characters. It's not a bad power. It's just stupid weird. There are about 50 other powers that could do more, even as minor. Remember, this is a minor power. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those that I have a theme and this is the theme I want to play. I, I guess that puck guy. Um, well, there you go. Now you've got it. And again, I think that's a good thing. Ultimately, though, if I'm making a character and I roll this power up, I'll start rolling from scratch. <laughs> it's not that I think it's complete crap. It's just, okay, this this is gimmicky, and no. It's not the gimmick I'm looking for. Right, right. Um, I want to be very clear as I say this, that I don't think it's horrible. I just think that this is something that's a story-oriented power, mm -hmm. not something that uh, that is built around your typical Heroes Unlimited group. All right. So you want to see this one. Um, Extraordinary said, uh, intelligence quotient. There it is, right there. There it is. This is one Heathen Dog wants to show off. There's no way to raise my intelligence in the game. Well, guess what? There is now. There is now in book three, Powers Unlimited 3. The character is a highly intelligent and mentally flexible individual. By the way, when we go look at book two in the next video, you're going to see that there are even more ways to raise your intelligence. But you probably don't want to do uh, his genius truly shines within his personal area of expertise. All right. 
The GM should ensure that the player selecting this super ability plays the character appropriately, as the extraordinary, I, extraordinary IQ power is as much about role-playing the character intelligently as having a high IQ. Don't give this to the dum-dum of the group. No. no. You know who you are. Stop it. Everyone, everyone can role-play in their own way, and that's fine. But if you have this power, there is a certain way you have to role-play, and that's the way it is, man. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and this is also one of those times where the role playing that comes from the character has to make sense. You know, it'd be like playing a character. I have a uh, I have a, a mental affinity of 35, yet you can't say more than three words coherently. No, no there, to me, there are some things that you kind of have to be able to do. Mm. Obviously, because it's a game, none of us have to have, you know, as he said before, the mountain strength in order to go do damage. But if you're going to be the face of the party, probably do need a little bit of charisma. Sure. Right. Um, if you're going to be, if you're going to be the extraordinary intelligence of the party, you probably have to be able to be a bit erudite. You know? um, not trying to tell you how to play, but at the same time, you know, it, it can really can take people. Yeah. Well, it can take you out of immersion. If the person goes, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to, uh, well, what I think I'm going to do No. So anyway, Bonuses increase the IQ to 22 plus 1d6. Okay, now, as an aside, because of the verbiage, because of the because of the way that's worded, if you have an IQ of, of 23 or above already, it just adds 1d6. I it's, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, yeah, no, no, it it it's it's said more more plainly. When you're talking about extraordinary superhuman and supernatural strength, if no, you, I, all, I like, you especially for extraordinary strength, it says increase to twenty plus two d six, and then it says if you already have twenty or more, just add two d six or just add one d six, something like that. Yeah, so there's precedent for it. No, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, why would you? Lo I rolled a twenty four. Somehow you got that twenty four, right? Yeah. Uh, why Which would you? Doable. Why would you then lower your intelligence? That doesn't make sense. That's why it says increase IQ to 22, yep. not place change. IQ at 22 or change IQ to 22. Yep. I, I agree 100% on that. Um, get 10% bonus to all known language, literacy, and mathematics skills. The character is sure. plus two to save versus mind control because you are just that in control of yourself. Plus, you get extra on top of that. Uh, area of expertise, extra special. skills at levels three, nine, six, what? Well, extra secondary skills uh, oh, at okay. 3, 6, 3, 9, 12. 9, 12, and 15, okay. Now, um, characters, is this the one? No, I think it's in the other book. Oh, no, this is one This one where you can get above 98 in certain uh, areas. Oh, the characters can continue to increase and go well beyond 98 in order to skill. I thought it was the the, the power category that, that limited that you. That. The hardware, mechanical, whatever geniuses, they're the only ones who can get above a 98 in a skill to offset skill modifiers. But the extraordinary intellect power gives a person that ability in two different skills from that list. Character in his area of expertise continues to increase. Okay, the character selects two skills from one of the following skill categories. Communication, domestic, electrical, espionage. Ooh, this one allows you to take espionage because yeah. the one that we're going to read in the next video does not. You're just a genius spy, bro. Mechanical, good. medical, science, or technical. And gets plus 20% bonus added to it. Remember, that's on top of the 10 that you already yeah. get. Uh, other bonuses from training and IQ bonus plus your IQ bonus that you're already going to have because you're, you're going to get really high. Exactly right. So yeah. you probably got a thirty-five or forty percent bonus to doing things. 
Well, no, I mean, if if it's if it's also a skill that is, say, you know, m- m- uh, it said any mechanical skill, right? So, uh, autom- automobile mechanic mechanics, I think, starts at fifty five. So yeah. you add all those bonuses to it, you're you're level one, you're at eighty something, ninety maybe. So for the two skills within the character's area of expertise, the player must keep track of the character's total skill percentage even beyond 100%, because this extra will help offset skill penalties for tasks that are extremely difficult. All right. And again, that's that's normal uh, for like hardware and so forth, so yeah. I'm not going to read this word for word. But the important part of this is that if you want to be super smart and you're like, that just doesn't come with the game, well, it is in the game now. Yeah. I mean, th- this means that your maximum IQ, let's see, you roll all threes, that's 18. You roll a six again, that is 24. You roll a six again, that's 30. That's usually the max for a human being. Now add one D6. But now with this power, you can add a D6 to that. So you can have up to a 36 IQ, which means you will be the smartest human being on the planet by a margin. And you look like a Telosian. You'll, you'll uh, if if you're like Emil <laughs> Hamilton, you'll probably have glowing white eyes or something like that. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, all right, let's let's move on. We've got a few more to cover. Um, I want to take too much longer here. Um, you said you want to see something on page fifteen, so I will go to page fifteen, which is right here. Uh, immune to melee attacks, immune to illusions, immune nope. to some super abilities, nope. immune to high speed kinetic attacks. Dune okay. force field, go. Okay, form of limited invulnerability. By the way, just so you know, that increased IQ was a minor superpower. Yeah. These are all minor abilities are minors, yep. Uh, a form of a limited invulnerability. This power makes the character impervious to all high-speed physical or kinetic attacks. Oh, it's a Guauld shield. Or that, no yeah, damage. But it came in Dune first, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, okay. This means Personal that bullets, shield. arrows, railgun rounds, high-speed car crashes, falls from great heights, grenade shrapnel, force bolts, basically anything... Uh, any physical impact that's traveling faster than 120 miles per hour, so not my fist, does no damage. However, slow speed physical attacks all do damage, including punches. So, yeah, it's like he said from Dune, or, or uh, I've been watching a lot of Stargate uh, recently. Yeah, so, to, yeah the, 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 the slow blade gets the kill, right? That's, that's yep. how it works. You know, bullets and stuff, that's not going to do it with someone with a force field. You got to get in there slow. Even professional baseball pitchers rarely throw the aerodynamic baseball faster than 100 miles an hour. That is true, yeah. They, they upped it be, because uh, if it was an actual dune-like force field, dude, you, you have to move like an inch a second to pierce <laughs> that crap, okay? That's, that's, that's not going to work in a, in a, uh, a cinematic-type comic universe. It's not going to work. I love this penalty. Tends not to notice gunfire, may not realize that his friends and allies are in trouble when the shooting starts. What's that noise? Everyone's crying and screaming and, oh, God, oh, God, my leg. And Is you're like, what? the July? <laughs> What's going on, man? All right, let's move on to page 17 for, for the one that I, I had to look at. Pixie dust. Are you kidding me? What? I, I never even read this one before. I probably saw it and went, nope. I almost did that. I almost did that. But I was like, no, I want to find the weird one. So Super Being produces a fine powder, a sort of pixie dust that is able to make people or objects completely weightless. Oh my God, it's Tinkerbell. Are you kidding me? It works like something out of a fairy tale defies all logic. (laughs) You think dog's running away? The The powder sparkles with energy and light when it's released on its target. Poof, the recipient of the dusting is weightless. 
Palladium is very inclusive. There you go. Pixie dust seems to work on any solid matter, both both inorganic and organic alike. All right. And yeah, the, the target gradually returns and will land nicely. <laughs> All right, so I had to look at that. I was like, are, are you kidding me? Is this a superpower? I rolled the superpower randomly. I am making a new character. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to think happy thoughts too? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but to be fair though, I'm glad it's in the book because again, it whether NPC or villain or whatever, it's showing off the versatility of Palladium and the fact that powers from any sort of myth, fable, comic book, anime, uh, whatever can be incorporated in here. Now, we might laugh at it. I know I'm definitely laughing at it, but, uh, but there could be a purpose for that one at some point. Again, NPC, NPC. All right, let's... Uh... Next one I want to look at is on page 23. And I said, I kind of warned you guys about this one earlier. Supervision, all types of supervision in here, by the way, folks. Look into my eye. Um, all right, Windows. And yes, we are talking about Microsoft. Sweet. The super being can look through one window, but choose to see the view out of any other window. Okay, this is just magic now. Now this is just magic. Come on. The character does not have to alter or even touch the window to use the power. Oh my god. This was one of those that I that I thought about when I read it. I was like, okay, I understand let's have some wacky things in here. But really? But then I thought about more and more. It's like, this actually could be quite useful. Yeah, not I mean, you could buy the crappiest apartment in the crappiest part of town and have a view of the Taj Mahal. It's great. It's awesome. Well, the, the second window must be in, within range of the character's power, must be within five feet of the window he's looking oh, through. Right. Oh. That's what, So when I read yeah. that the other day, I was like, okay, yeah. you just made the power useless. Yeah. Like, I'm looking out this window. The only thing that I can see it useful for now is look at me looking out this window, but you don't see my visage over there. It's not like you see me looking through a different window. So, uh, I don't know. I thought it was so cool, and then, then it wasn't. This is range 100 feet plus 10 feet per level of experience, but then yeah. I don't understand this again. Must no, it must be within range of the character's power, so that's right here, 100 feet, so it must be within 100 feet. You have to be and within he, 5 feet of the first window. Oh, the, the window first window. Out of. I misread that then. Yeah. I'm in, So this goes back to actually being a power that... I read this like five times, too, and I didn't grasp that. Yeah, okay. no, I, I still think it's garbage. It's garbage. I mean, you, you, unless you could walk through the window, no, but you can't. You can just look through it. So, no. I'd, yeah, ra I'd look, much rather have gateway. But looking through this window and seeing through a window that I like my neighbor's window to see what's going on behind feet over there. <clears throat> 100 yeah. feet is, isn't a lot. No. But, but I mean, I can see it's niche use. Very niche. Yes. Very niche. Remember, minor no, power. No. Squirrel Hermit says sniper. No, you you can't pass anything through the window you're looking out of and have it come out of the window. Spotter, on the other hand, out of. spotter for the sniper. Spotter for the sniper. Uh, the, the spotter usually is his only job is to give wind and distance and stuff like that. And uh, looking through a different vantage point takes away those abilities. No, I, I get to put again, we're also talking a superhero game, uh, you know, indirect fire, you know, uh, launching a grenade. Uh, you know, uh, I could look not, through not not through the window, but no, no. Remember, I wouldn't be launching. I'm saying I'm spotting yeah. for you. Like, hey, I see him on the other side of that house. That's not something I can normally see. 
sure. But the windows are are within range, so now I can. Also, again, very niche. I'm not trying to make excuses like, no, no, the power is great. Power isn't great. Um, If somebody's like, how how was I seen? Hold on here. There's no way anybody can see me unless they're right there. Well, with this power, I could still actually be over there. Detective. Private detective or, or an officer of some kind. You look through the window of a house you don't want to surveil, and you can see into the house you really want to surveil yeah. through any open window. Yep, that is it's great for information gathering. That's awesome. Again, pretty niche, but that's that's the only way I could think to make it useful. It's a great story character. It isn't going to be a great character that you're going to want to play for long term. Um, all right, let's look at the major powers again. Look at all these APSs. They- Man, Kevin went nutty with the APSs. Nutty. Well, they they are a fan favorite though. Yeah, bone coral. There's that stupid. Was that foam again? God damn. Foam. <laughs> goo. There's goo. There's your goo. I know Plastic. goo or gel. Plastic. Come on, man. Ragdoll. Hey, you know what? Chucky's a thing. So whatever. <laughs> Void. Oh, by the way, these Void is reprinted because it was is that it Aliens Unlimited again. Wax. Get out. Get out of my sight. I'm melting. All right. Uh, I didn't really want to look at any. Is there any one of those particularly you want to look at? Otherwise, no, I'm going to move on. No, okay. Not, not, not really. No. Okay. We're going to get to one that's really creepy, though. We're going to skip a lot of pages here. Um, this is the list. You guys can see it on the screen there. Pause it if you want to, if you want to see uh, more of what, what's in here. We've just got a couple more to go through. But uh, we're going to skip down to page 62, it looks like. So I'm guessing that's 65. Oh, wow, it's actually closer on than only off by one page and that is fleshworks because it's time to get creepy okay that sounds weird it, it is <clears throat> one of the most gruesome of super abilities fleshworks allows a super being to reshape and sculpt the flesh of living beings and animals that is a world of darkness type thing and we we've we've gone into scary town now okay <laughs> we have definitely gone into scary town now uh the tissue and flesh of the victim can be molded and altered by the super being to fit his whim luckily these changes are only temporary and the victim will return to normal after a short time this actually reminded me of earth dawn and the um what's the uh, fl- was it flesh shape yep where but that causes actual wounds to a person and it isn't temporary if i remember correctly um Anyway, sense health of flesh. So you can basically be like, are you healthy or not? Reveal whether the human individual is human, mutant, alien, or something else. If you got cancer, warts, whatever. Flesh control. Take control of a part of another person's body. You subtly it can make a person twitch or jerk a single finger. Again, I swear to God, they read the Nethermancer from Mirthon because uh, it was a bone dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe used to cause an eyelid twitch, flutter, or wink, or don't hit yourself, don't hit yourself, don't hit yourself. All right, let's move on. Uh, did a person make him jump, stumble, kick, punch, whatever. Duration, one simple melee action or attack. Okay. Each controlling action counts as one of the super beings' own. Basically, if you want to make the person punch himself, each one's going to be one of your own attacks, but it could still be fun. Crawling fresh, an impressive and eerie ability that makes the skin of the victim undulate and wriggle as if something is moving or crawling underneath it that's rough the effect covers the entire body and is quite horrific and distracting although painless it's it's friggin nightmare fuel is what it is yeah 
It says painless. I think I'd still have sympathy no, it, pains. It, no, no, no. Physically painless, perhaps. Mentally painless, bullshit. Right. No, this this causes strong-willed people to start cutting into their own skin to get the bugs out. That's what happens. Like uh, um, 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 Hellraiser 2 when he's cutting himself to get all the bugs off of him. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, this is gross, and I'm telling you, I would have sympathy pains. So it says painless. I would feel it. No. <laughs> no, it's not it's not painless it, it's something uh, that's gonna stay with you for a very long time and talked about tax for Millie. Par paralysis flesh the attack temporary paralyzes part of its victim's body immobilizing that particular limb okay these are a whole Makes ton sense. of earth on spells wrapped into one ability yep the super being is able to push move and change living flesh as if you're working clay yeah we're gonna is, he, is, is that mean girl cheerleader Messing with you again. <laughs> you can fix that. <laughs> heal the flesh of others. By using his influence on the flesh, the character can heal others with the laying on hands and concentration. Oh, look, he can actually put your skin back where it belongs. That sounds fair. Okay. Other abilities uh, heals three times faster than normal human and without scarring 1d6 hit points or plus 1d6 hit points per level of experience and Great. plus 15% to save versus coma death and never suffers from skin rashes or acne. <laughs> Okay, that's good. Out of all the seven abilities, only one of them isn't a goddamn nightmare. Yep. Agreed. Um, yeah, Kokoshuko's like, yeah, I bet you wish you were foam now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know right. what? Good point. Uh, let's go to page 78 for the next one that I wanted to look at. 76 77 78 all right so this is merge what's that mega tail no we're gonna look at merge. come on all right. merge biomass bizarre right, power wait. in which the super being merges his own body with that of another being wait a minute didn't we already look at this yeah we did the character's physical body completely disappears into the body of another person or large animals if you're physically oh, possessing him it's the other way instead of them going into you you're going into them <laughs> There's no outward sign of character's presence or body, only that of the host body. The victim does not appear to be heavier, bulkier, altered in any way, et cetera, et cetera. Good the victim place. will be... What's that? Good hiding place. Um, once, the, once the victim is... Oh, sorry. Once the super being is merged with the victim, he sees, hears, and experiences everything his host does inside the host body. The super being cannot be damaged or killed by injuries to his host. It is a perfect hiding place. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else I really cared to read here? Uh, can be maintained indefinitely. Merging and exiting does not cause any damage or discomfort to the victim. Again, I think we're talking physical. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, hopefully they're asleep and it'll be okay. But uh, if they're awake, yeah, yeah, that's... You're, you're going to have to experience those nightmares if you stay in because you, you get the, all your five senses are working while inside and when they're sleeping and having nightmares about what you did to them, you're going to have to deal with that. Um, but... But if you wanted relations with someone, but they don't want you, <laughs> you could jump into someone that they do and experience the whole thing. I'm just saying, is it right? Of course not. Of course not. But this is already a nightmare power. So there it is. Rechannel kinetic energy. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 Let me read a little bit. I'll tell you the. Well, th the, this is the quick version of it. Is this? Is if when somebody punches you, you. You don't take the damage, you just give it back to him. Somebody shoots you, you don't take the damage, you just give it back to him. Okay. Um, you can store it up a little bit, but, but what you cannot do 
You cannot store up multiple attacks and unleash them as one. So if Heathen Dog punches me in the face, all I can do is the same thing back to him. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, because it really is, uh, I'm like rubber, you're like glue. Sure. And no, uh, uh, it's it's kind of like a couple of Marvel superhero powers, but it's it's nowhere near as powerful. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. You're not you... for energy for a while. So what what you can do, though, is if somebody attacks you four times as you pop all four of those back at him. Now, they're going to be four separate attacks, sure. but you pop those and they are automatic. They automatically hit. Yes. Oh, wow. So that's that's part. It's pretty powerful. Um, where is it? Duration? Because uh, where does it say that? Uh, Billy is really formidable when damage inflicted upon the superhuman is tremendous and attack from a high supernatural strength, uh, physical strength, explosion, car crash, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, each rechannel, so yeah, it still costs an attack. Sure, uh, it always hits. Then Pfft, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I thought it said always hit, but I'm seeing the plus two to strike down there. I could have sworn it said this power enables oh. super being to absorb the energy from impact blow. Same amount of damage from the original attack, so the attacker must still ro the attacker rolls the damage. The original attacker can oh. be delivered as a punch, kick, force blast, and can be returned immediately or held for as long as two melee rounds and unleash the attacker. For example, Super Being is hit with a Super Punch that should have done 23 points of damage. He absorbs the force of the attack and can strike back with a punch. Um, did I mistake that? I thought it said you didn't have to roll. I might be wrong. And whatever damage was from No, the no, no. You can add it to your attack. That's, <laughs> that, that's what it's, it, it's replacing your strength bonus with this damage you just took. That's what it's doing. Well, so I thought it was just example, reflecting. No, no. It, you also add the D6, D4, 2D6, whatever, if it's a punch kick, whatever, plus the damage you absorb just then. It's your kick plus the absorbed damage. Your punch plus the okay. absorbed damage, yes. And I read it wrong the first time. Kick or force blast that does 23 points of damage without having to roll dice. Whatever damage there was from the impact kinetic force of the attack leveled at the super being is the damage that can be fired back. Do not add any of the damage bonuses the character may have for his own physical strength or other powers. Right, right. It's just replacing your damage bonus with this. Okay, I, I have to read that close. For some reason, I thought it was it was a direct reflection. Um, holding kinetic force and reserve. Reserve energy can be used at any time. Har or harmony phase way. Cannot collect. Yeah, this is where it says he cannot collect up force damage. Several attacks hold them and damage back. Right. Um, Anyway, it's still interesting. Pardon me for getting that a little bit wrong there, but uh, you know, I read like what a hundred powers over two days. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, it is neat. I mean, for for a bunch of bruiser type people trying to beat on you, yeah, they're 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 gonna die of attrition. Basically, I mean, you're not taking any damage, and they're going to even if they have a crap ton of SDC, they're still gonna go down first un unless they pull out a knife or a laser beam or something. Actually, One no, more. knife is a physical attack, so no. They'd pull a laser beam or some magic or psionics or something, or else they just can't win. All right. One more, and then we'll hit the other book. Swarm cells, because we haven't been creepy enough yet. No, no. We, we want to break into small little mini-me's, like, uh, what was it? <laughs> uh, Ash had that problem in, uh, in what, which, which one was it? The, Evil uh, Dead 2, I think. Was uh, it? Army of Darkness. Was it no, Army of Darkness? Darkness. Okay. Yeah, it was Army of Darkness, I believe um i keep thinking of the whole bender thing uh when one of the later seasons when uh when the professor creates that uh device that allows him to duplicate things but at half the size sure. and then bender duplicates himself because he was lazy 
Um, keratin causes cells to split apart into a swarm of mini-cells, each with a fraction of the power of the whole. Each swarm self is about the size of a six-inch children's action figure. These mini-selves share the super being's thoughts, memories, personality, and mental attributes in a sort of group mind. In fact, when the swarm forms back into one whole person, the experiences of each miniature swarm self will be remembered as if it were the personal experience of the super being. Okay, well, it's good spying then, too. Yeah. Yeah. The character's uh, physical prowess, physical endurance, and physical beauty appearance are unchanged in the miniature versions, but physical strength is reduced to one-third. Okay, got that. But Attack. still, when you're you're six inches tall with one third the strength, with with enough with enough swarm cells, you're actually stronger than you were by yourself. Yeah, and we'll see how many swarm cells you can make because, uh, whereas attacks per melee has two attacks per melee round, regardless of what the character might have, reduce all aspects of other super abilities by seventy five percent. You're gonna be like, wow, that's a lot. Imagine having four of you at different angles, though. Mm -hmm. And you can automatic dodge. Each of you has an automatic dodge. Roll the dodge as always, but it doesn't. Yep. Cut. You get one automatic dodge per round. Looks like. Yep. Uh, number of swarm cells. Number of mini cells is based on the character's hit points. Divide the number of hit points by five, rounded down to get the number of swarms, uh, swarm uh, okay. cells so created. You need, you need twenty <laughs> hit points at least to come out stronger as your swarm cells than yourself, because each one is one third your strength. So four of them will be, you know, four thirds your strength. So it'll be. 20 hit points isn't that hard to get you have a 15 no, it is not that hard to get and the uh this is one of the few powers that that uh that self-regulates and uh and levels up with with you with you a lot a lot yeah. better yep. yeah especially if you gain hit points like there were powers earlier where you you gain you gain a d6 every level right but there was another power we saw earlier that adds you an extra d6 every level mm -hmm. so you going up one level you could get two swarm cells yep uh, each swarm self will have a total of five hit points and 50 SDC. It's not a lot, but remember, you're a six-inch action figure. You're you're now playing in Toy Story. Yeah, but you have the hero's armor rating. Yep. So if you have an armor rating, you each one carries that same armor rating. Uh, the character cannot split up into, uh, into his oh my God, swarm cells until he's healed back up to a minimum of 10 hit points, and then you'd be able to make two, right? Yeah. Um. All right, can function as swarm for up to one hour per level experience. That That's, is a lot. That is a lot, and that is some good spying right there. Like, yes. climb through the vents. You can't climb through a vent. People are too loud. All that all that movie crap is bullshit. You're like, you're right, but watch this. Whee! I'm an action figure. <laughs> I'm an action figure. You know, you saw Toy Story, right? This works. Plus six to automatic dodge. Oh, my so God. <laughs> Plus 20 to prowl hide, tailing, detect, ambush. That all makes sense. And plus 1d6 plus 3 to hit points. Use a small size, relative toughness, who cares? Swarm, okay, swarm attack. Swarming attack is the most basic form of attack where all swarm cells attack one opponent from several different locations. That's what I was talking about before. Heights and angles, like a swarm of angry bees or fire ants. Tactics usually involve trying to disable, confuse, or separate target from teammates. And it works well. Distract, lure, and hide. Another favorite place to make noise or even shout to make it sound like someone big is in the room or nearby. Hey, Joe, did you hear that? Trip attack. Most humans don't expect to be attacked by a swarm of hamster-sized opponents at the foot or ankle. Little chihuahuas nipping at your at your ankles there. But they have opposable thumbs, and they're angry at you. Yep. Zero, one to 50% chance of dropping whatever he's holding when he fell, because you have a good chance of falling. The Gulliver attack. Oh, Lilliputians. 
<laughs> After a successful trip attack, the swarm can use any available strings, wire cord to tie the victim up if he flounders to the ground. And the bump and grab. And other players have part of the group attack or lure the subject away while the others grab an important evidence or whatever, make a run for it. Lots of little things that you can do yeah. with that. These, these are just examples, really. Yeah. And if you know, if, if you have 40 hit points, then you have eight, eight uh, little mini me's, eight little action figure use. You know, six, uh, six is probably more than enough to deal with a single enemy. The other two could be doing other stuff, you know? Anything. Uh, look at that artwork there for this techno form. We're not going to read techno form. We're done. No, we're not gonna um, do but uh, there you go. Uh, Lots of different powers, and I, I intentionally picked some of the weirder ones because I wanted you to see um, that they're pretty much. I don't know if they ever need a book three. You know, somebody's telling me they, there should be a powers book. You know, a powers book four. Why? At this point, I think everything's been covered. <laughs> like at some point, and if I'm mistaken, well, even the base Heroes Unlimited Second Edition book gave you most of these powers in some way. You could figure out how to make it work. Um, but this just adds niche aspects to it, whether it's really focusing the power or providing new uh, aspects to the types of powers you could get there. I think that these this book, one and three, let's go back to the cover here. Uh, this is book three. I think these books are awesome. I think they will benefit most games with the limitation that the game master needs to say no to dumb stuff. Yes. And, and save some of these things for NPCs only, or for a game master that's running a particular type of more story-driven game, then I can understand it. I don't know why you'd be playing a superhero game if you're doing that, but I'm not going to argue with how you play at your table. Um, but the books are are definitely a net positive to Heroes Unlimited. Any any final thoughts? No, that's about it. That's that's pretty good. Okay. Um, next book is we're going to cover is book two, and this one is different. This book that we'll be covering next is going to be power categories. If you don't remember what power categories are, those are effectively the character classes of Heroes Unlimited, so to speak. And this adds, oh, how many more? Looks like about 10 or 12 more power categories. And uh, spoiler alert, they're not all that good. Hmm. But uh, any questions, comments, concerns from chat? Nope, nothing really. Okay, cool. Well, Awesome. Like, subscribe, share. Look forward to you in the next video. And if you haven't already, go ahead and go get your powers unlimited. But I don't run Heroes Unlimited. I don't even play Palladium. Well, you're a bad person for not playing Palladium. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm going to be using these for after the bomb. So uh, there's you can always find ways to, uh, to put these to implement these books. Oof. That took forever, man. It did take forever, but I really wanted to cover a bunch. This next one isn't going to take that long because I don't care. Good. <laughs> uh, I debated whether I should make that into uh, into two different, but I was like, they're just powers in both books, so I just slammed it all together. Uh, there's no reason to make another video for that. Present. You want me to run the thing, too? Yep, as soon as I get this uh, back up and ready to go. Oop. All right, for the second part of segment two, and for the last video of today, uh, we're going to talk about Powers Unlimited number two. Uh, I already said it in the last video, but in case you missed it, Powers Unlimited one and three are a bunch of new superpowers that you can add to your Heroes Unlimited or whatever game you want to play to make characters more interesting, more diverse, more niche, whatever you want.
It isn't to say that there aren't enough powers in the Heroes Unlimited book already, but it adds even more to it. And if, especially if you get that number three book, you got a whole new list of powers that you can roll from. So check that out. But this one's a little different. This one adds new power categories. Uh, for those who don't remember, uh, power categories are the character classes of Heroes Unlimited, where, where you have alien, experiment, mutants, uh, et cetera, uh, hardware, you know, so on and so forth. Well, this is going to add... I can't count off the top of my head here, but it looks like 10 to 12 more. And we're going to take a look at each one of those here in just a moment. The best tabletop RPG groups follow these core values to respect the campaign setting, the game, and the people at the table. Refer to the URL in the video's description to donate to the charity we support, The Wounded Warrior Project. Sunday on Rumble and YouTube, we provide tabletop RPG game, system, and setting overviews. Then on Friday, a panel of guests editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Thursdays and Saturdays are when Heathen Dog leads his Dirty Casuals video game squad on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth. Please like and share this video with your friends and on social media, and subscribe to Legion of Myth for more tabletop RPG content. All right, there we go. There's our Powers Unlimited 2 book. Let's embiggen that just a touch. I embiggened the wrong page. There we go. Let's embiggen that a touch. And uh, let's scroll down. Let's see what is in this book. Now, zoom in on here. So we've got Empowered Heroes. We have Eugenic Heroes. Wait a minute. Isn't that already what Experiment is? Yeah, pretty much, but they do it differently. But this, yeah, uh, this, is, this is a selective breeding program over several generations, a la bad guy from World War II type stuff. That's what we're talking about here. The, the the best example, I actually like how the book says it. It's like playing a bionic character, but you don't have bionics, you have genetics. Right. Uh, because you're going to buy your stuff. But we'll get to that in a moment. The Gestalt Superhumans, which I know is going to be Heathen Dog's favorite. He's going to be, that's the bestest one in here. Immortals, we are skipping Immortals. The, uh, that's for the Mega Hero. And to be honest with you, Mega Hero isn't... Uh, isn't interesting to you. Yeah, well, it isn't not only that, but it's it's not going to be for most games. And finally, immortals are just like, oh, you have a mega hero and you want to call yourself immortal. There you go. I've just explained everything about it. But uh, and there are a few more. But uh, let's let's start right at the beginning. Let's just start knocking these out. And uh, so right off the bat, if you roll randomly for your heroes unlimited character, which is something I generally promote, uh, there are now more added to the list. So you know, aliens only only five. Uh, you know, 5% to be an alien. You have magic. And now you have the new immortal. Again, I would kick out anything that said mega hero. But, uh, and I think there's another one in here that's mega hero as well. Super invention. What's different between super invention than the hardware? Nothing. I mean, just a little bit. We'll uh, look at that in a moment. But uh, as you can see, a bunch of new power categories. We are not going to dive into what each one of these gets and like the money and making a character and so forth. However, Heathen Dog, I did ask him before the game. We're going to roll a few things just to show you what you can come up with some of these. So let's start off with Empowered. So what is Empowered? Does it say read the first or the second paragraph? It's first. There are a few uh, heroes out there who strive more than any others to be a true hero and protector of the innocent. So what is the empowered character? The empowered character is somebody like, I wish I could be a superhero, but I can't because I'm just Maxlia. Or they have a disease. This is your daredevil. This is your Professor X. Now, I know both of those 
already could fit into other categories that already existed, but it's more poignant in this case. You have the blind character, and we're actually going to have Heathen Dog roll up what his deficiency is here in a moment. But you're empowered now. You're, you're driven, but why are you driven? And as you can see right here, you have a physical impairment. So let's just start rolling some dice because uh, that's what we want to do. Ooh, I want to be elderly. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> you could be elderly. Go ahead and roll right off the bat. We're going to find out... Uh, I thought there was something first. No, there's not, because we don't care about hit points. All right, let's uh, determine your impairment super abilities. Go ahead and roll your percentile dice, sir. 96. Oh, wow. Uh, you went the opposite way of elderly. You are debilitating, debilitating disease, disease or full, full body paralysis. Oh, when I go, I go hard, baby. He's a quadriplegic thanks to uh, a car accident. Oh. <laughs> he was weak from a debilitating illness or terminal disease like cancer, AIDS, Oh, uh, etc. Speed penalties modifiers. Character's body is sickly. Reduce physical strength, physical prowess, physical endurance, physical beauty, and speed by 1d6 times 10%. Jesus. Yeah, extent of damage varies with individual. Yeah, you've got a degenerate disease. He's got ALS. There you go. ALS. That's a good one. Now, how do you overcome your disability? Go ahead and roll again. 44. All right. When he witnesses injustice. Oh, that's it. Oh. The, play, the player character has personally witnessed or has borne witness to such terrible injustice that he has vowed to fight it and prevent others from suffering in a similar manner. Your ALS. You were given AIDS by a hooker, and now when you see injustice. <laughs> hey, I know I, I you, don't dude. Think that's what they mean. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I that's know you. On the code. <laughs> um anyway uh so it's so you know his uh his quad he's like he's using his little uh, uh stephen hawking's uh, uh wheelchair you know moving it with his tongue and then he sees an injustice and he gets up he's like no and people are like what the hell that would scare the hell out of everybody especially my caretaker it's like have you been <laughs> this whole time <laughs> again using the futurama references like bender when he played the uh when he was on tour with beck and then he yeah. started dancing. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, find out your physical. Uh, is that the next one? Yeah. You're overcoming the disability. What's your physical compensation? All right. Let's see what happens when I do. Because I saw that injustice. What happens? Oh, my God. What? 100. <laughs> you have an underwater ability. Underwater. I'm freaking Super Friends Aquaman. <laughs> That's great. That is great. This is, is this? a lesson on how it could all go wrong. And this is why you don't play the empowered character. I mean, in this case, the hobbled individual becomes whole, well and strong, super strong when underwater or when drenched by water. One or two empowers activate. <laughs> in addition to the usual underwater abilities and bonuses, the character gets the following extra bonuses. Increase 50% all physical attributes, plus one attack per melee round, plus two in initiative, plus two to strike, parry, dodge, disarm, plus four to pull punch, plus 1d6 times 10 SDC, plus 20 hit points, and has natural armor rating of 11. You're impaired on dry land, right because you're in a freaking quadriplegic wheelchair. So somebody has to run you to the dock, push you off the edge. And no one's going to understand that, right? <laughs> no one's going to understand that you you just you just put a quad boy in the water. No no one's going to get. No, I'm helping him. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that character died at birth. There you go. <laughs> Excuse me. Easy enough. That's over. Yep. That's All right. I'm rolling a new character now. I don't care if it took me an hour to get to here. Hopefully, next time it'll I'll have to streamline it. 
Okay. The purpose, though, of the empowered character is, again, to, to have a character with a disability, to overcome that disability. Again, using, I, I think there are probably other ones out there. The only one I know, again, I'm not a superhero guy, is Daredevil. In so, something with that regard. But, you know, adding more to it. Again, a quadriplegic in his case, or a cancer patient, or, or somebody who is blind. I think blind is an option. Um, I, this is what I want to say about this book. I'm not a fan of this book. I liked one in three. I'm not a fan of this book. I'm not saying that there aren't any, there's nothing in here useful, that everything's useless. But again, it's very niche. If you're running this type of campaign, then the book is good for you. But if you're running just a standard Heroes Unlimited campaign, I think the stuff in here is too weird. Is that the right word I want to use? Dumb. Because now we're yeah, going to go to the eugenic dumb hero eugenic hero that's great you know like genetic engineering uh either uh, it, it probably says either uh you know through cloning or through a breeding program or whatever that's fine i can dig that well we'll read this paragraph right here if i can get through without coughing eugenics characters are modified enhanced and built in much the same way as a bionic character. Only all the parts are flesh and blood, and the power is drawn from the natural world. So think of this as, I don't understand why this isn't a mutant or an experiment. Yeah, it's an different experiment is probably more appropriate. Yeah. Right, now, to be fair, it goes beyond experiment, because experiment, you just roll some superpowers up. This, sure. you actually build your character. So I do understand it, but I still would see it as a subset of the, of the uh, uh, experiment. Now, so let's take a look at... Uh, at how this is put together. Now, first of all, like Bionics, you're going to buy your parts, right? But there is a thing called Chimera. If you want to be human without horror factor, you cannot take Chimera powers. If you don't care, if you're just trying to be like, look, man, I want some cool stuff and have, have some weird things, that's great, but you're going to have a horror factor then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you want to fly, you're probably going to need actual wings. Now, if, like if you... Bionics, I'm sorry. If you want to see in the dark, you're probably going to need cat's eyes or something. And that, mm -hmm. that's going to carry with you. Right. How you're much money have a... can I spend? Oh, let's find out. <laughs> 97. There $10 million, $10 million. Dollar man. There you Boom, go. You... baby. We're not going to we're not going to look at every piece here. We're just no. going to look at a couple. Um, you can clone your replacement hands. Uh, by the way, it's probably a good idea to have some stuff on stock. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, j just in case something gets torn off or whatever, you got something to put it back on. I get it. I get it. So let's look at some, look at all these brain abilities, brain enhancements, brain combat motorhead, mental acuity, physical perception acuity. I'm, again, we're not going to read these. You can pause the screen if you want or buy the book. Better way. Uh, calcifier bone strengthener. Oh, I like that one. Digestive system enhancement. Eh. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, again, they give I you Crohn's disease. I take that one, but whatever. <laughs> fatty bladder. Wait a minute. What is that? It's a chimera. Well, if you want fatty bladder, that means you're going to start having weird stuff. Oh, a Melaton... bladder. Okay. Well, that's not great. Gills. Obviously, that's going to be something that's noticeable. You're going to be like yeah. that fish boy from the boys. Yeah. I forget his name. And you're going to be gross. The um, deep. The deep. There you go. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> anywho, circadian rhythms, steroids. Why not? Oh, of course. I want a steroid gland. That's great. Naturally produced steroids. Bring it on. Lazarus organ. Able, uh, completely regrow and damage sick or cut out. 
physical augmentation. Most of these are going to be chimeras because you're going to look weird. Like if you had adhesion. Yeah, it's not Spider-Man. Now you have little sucker fingers. You know, let's not. Mm, no, you're not hiding that. Sorry. Uh, Bioregeneration. That's not normal. All right, so uh, I can keep scrolling down. Uh, you, there are lots of pages of this. I will say that is actually really cool. As much as I might think most of the stuff in this book is just kind of, okay, whatever, dude. Um, there are tons of options in here. It isn't like you have five choices. One of my complaints about Riffs, the main book of Riffs, is that every time I make a Borg, it's almost always the same thing because there are very limited choices in there until you get the Bionics book, right? Mm -hmm. Well, no, you have tons of choices in this book to make the character that you want to make. He will spend that $10 million quick, fast, in a hurry. And still, I could make a character that costs $10 million and have completely different abilities. It's all right. Um, you can have extra hands and, oh, you can look like that if you want. Because why not? Sure. I want pincers. Like pincers, you can be Dr. Zoigberg. There you go. Pincers of power. All right, let's, uh, where's the next one? I know it's a lot of pages. Enhanced senses, again, lots of stuff. Genetic weapons, acid blood, because you know what? It, why not be an alien? Yeah, chestburster, xenomorphs, they're great. They're, they're all the rage. And of course, you can roll for your background data, just like you do for experiment and so forth. Yeah. You get along with your super agency and whatnot. I, I, th I want to say, is, again, as much as I'm not interested in most of these, this one that we're about to look it at works. being the number one I'm not Absolutely interested in. Works. <laughs> if I remember correctly, there are two type of gestalt superhumans physical and psychic there's four and two of them allow you to play your own character two of them require you to have other characters in the group play you awesome. oh, we'll look at those yep um so uh what was i saying again the choices in here are absolutely fantastic if this is what you want to true so what is a gestalt in the world of Heroes Unlimited, the Gestalt is multiple characters wrapped into one package. Oh, so my superhero is wrapped with him. No, this is Million Ants. This is Plant Boy. This is, uh, uh, well, I mean, it could be Heathen Dog and me. And one of them takes over uh, at one time or another. The individuals, when not combined into the Gestalt persona, are relatively normal and comparatively weak. It's only when the group joins together to become one that a singular being of considerable power an ability is created. Now let's um go ahead, Heathen Dog, roll and please get between a 25 and a 75 because I want to laugh. Oh shit. 87. Okay, you didn't do that. You're a plant man. A character's body is made up of uh, various plants, shrubs, vines, grasses, weeds, etc. A single player can be this gestalt. Hey, the good news is you get to play your own character. Awesome. So let's look at the others real quickly. You have animal, you're basically made up of animals like insect. Again, you're million ants. Uh, worms, rats, whatever. Human physical. Two or more humans somehow shift their bodies and minds into another to form a singular super being. Requires two or more players working right. as one. This is Firestorm, basically. I don't know who that is, but okay. for those who do know... There it is, yeah. Uh, human psychic. It's the same thing. Requires two players work, or two or more players working as one. Honestly... If you want to do this at your table and everybody agrees to this, it sounds like it could be a fun time. Not for me. No. But I get it. Um, so you picked uh, you picked the plant gestalt? All right. So what no, happens I when you... It, but I got it. Well, you got it. So uh, there's the animal. Oh, let's find the plant gestalt. Or heathen dog. Again, there's million ants for you. <laughs> it's a Rick and Morty reference for people who don't know. Um, so mass increase. Where, where's the plant one? 
minor sewer hibernation. These are all animals. Yeah, these are all animals. The last of them. Oh, that's right. I forgot that these are done almost like they're mul they're different characters because guess what they are? Different characters. Uh, plant gestalt. All right. There you go. Powers go, of the plant gestalt. Okay, go ahead and roll. Go. go ahead and roll your percentile. Oh, again? <clears throat> yeah, because we're we're gonna do this quickly. Oh, what am I? Okay. All right. Uh, forty-five. Forty-five. You are grasses. There's actually a huge number of different types of grasses. Okay, great. Sure. Those soft and familiar in nature. Oh, he's huggable. Grasses mm. densely interwoven to create a humanoid plant gestalt has an oppressive AR and SDC. Horror factor of eight, armor uh, armor rating 14. I don't call that impressive, but that maybe that's just me. Whatever. And more so in second edition. First edition, I'd say that 14 is pretty awesome. Second, yeah, second edition. edition not, not so much. Yeah. Vines is 15. Crown out loud. Or or a factor of 11. Woods. All right, go ahead and, and roll percentile again to see who controls you. Who controls me? All right. Ot three. A spirit or an entity. This is typically awesome. an ethereal energy being or life essence that is normally invisible and unable to interact with the humans in the physical world, unless it assumes a physical body. In this case, the, the gestalt body. So, hey, you, get, you have a plant elemental inside your face. That's a good job. All right, let's move on to the next one. You guys get the idea of what gestalt is, right? Yep. And now, now uh, from what I understand, uh, the physical gestalt and the psychic gestalt work like this. You have two or more people. They merge bodies. Boom. You have you have a super being. And one of the people who is merged is in control. Mm -hmm. Now, the psychic one, you're merging minds to create a, a creature made physical out of psychic energy. But your bodies are in comas. And I didn't. To, I didn't read that one to be honest. Yeah, for, for, if I remember correctly, your 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 bodies are still there. They're in comas because all the brains are gone. They're formed in a thing, and just like the physical gestalt, uh, one of the characters that are part of it is in control. Everyone else gets to take a smoke. You know, smoke if you got them. <laughs> Talking about smoking, imbued heroes are those who take a pill or read a book. It's this is Popeye. Or spinach, yeah, exactly. I was going to say spinach, right. This is... Um, so, roll your normal. Now, let's see what the imbued super abilities are. All right, go ahead and roll Heat and Dog percentile dice again. 89. 89. Hypnotic conditioning brainwashing, which... <laughs> what? Activates in response to certain triggers. Oh, you're B.A. Baracus! We got we to gotta, we gotta punch you in the face to get you on the airplane. Oh, well, or... Usually they just drugged him or something, but yeah. hey, you know, so, some, someone says, uh, hey, do you want to play a, a, a gestalt character? And then I transform. Then he transforms <laughs> into and then I go all nuts on you. All right. Let's see uh, what kind of addiction does the agent cause. Go ahead and roll. All right. 63. 63. Moderate standard recovery time. So uh, the imbued character can no longer take his imbuing agent. He may suffer the effects of drug withdrawal. So he's, he's uh, uh, addicted to his spinach. Which, you know, my mom would love that, but <laughs> uh, who can gain super abilities using the abusing agent? OK, well, let's find out if this is just you or everybody in the group. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Only the hero. It's special so, to me. Yep. You can have spinach all you want. Sure, you'll get a lot of iron and niacin, but you won't get this. You won't get yeah. the guns. Who can make the agent? Go ahead and roll. Oh, crap. Eight. Eight. Just you. Sweet. I make special spinach. You make special spinach. There you go. I, I, I fertilize it with my own poop. Ugh. I'm the only one who can make it. 
God. Well, that just ended this episode. Hope everybody has a great day. Uh, go ahead and roll to see how long it lasts. Now, this is the one that I foresee everybody cheating on. Ah, uh, okay. Let's see if I got to cheat. I got to cheat. Would you get 32? 32. It uh, lasts for one. Actually, it's not bad. 1d6 not plus bad. one hours. Yeah. It's fine. I, I foresee uh, mysteriously everybody who gets this is going to have the 2d4 plus five. That's what I foresee. But uh, all right. How, and how often can it be taken? Here's going to be another one that people cheat on. All the time, all the time, all the time, baby. 81 or higher, 81 or higher. No whammies, no whammies. Fuck, close, 78. 78, twice per 24 hours. That's not bad, though. So that's a possible maximum of 14 hours a day. Hmm? Possible uh, maximum of 14 hours a day. I can be and what do you get when you, uh, when you eat your spinach? No whammies. Your poopy no spinach. Whammies, no whammies. John Holmes, please. 58 58 one major and three minor super abilities that's not bad that's not, that's bad. not bad no that's not bad anytime you get a major it's not bad so there you go that that but again the uh, again the references pop by i'm sure there are other ones that i don't know about but it's uh, you have some sort of trigger that all of a sudden makes you super powerful it could be a catchphrase it could be you know the, the spinach it could be uh you know reading a passage out of a book staring at a picture of your dead wife something immortals we are not covering immortals basically it's for mega heroes and it just gives them a reason like i want to be a mega hero but i also want to be a greek god okay so moving on uh and you can learn more about mega heroes because heathen dog did cover them when he covered uh heroes unlimited in our entire heroes unlimited section um it's still immortals super invention this one was uh let me get to that page here so my question for you is this, what, what makes this different than hardware? And I'm saying this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I want people to think about this. What makes this character different from hardware? The notable thing that I got out of this, and we'll have Heathen Dog roll again because that's fun, uh, is that uh, you get one item. You have like one trick, you have one armor, one weapon, one gizmo, gadget, whatever, and it comes with limitations. Oh, so it's so, worth but it gives you actual superpowers, which is well. Neat. That's great, but you know, I if if I'm a if I'm a hardware genius, I can make Iron Man. That is what fair. Do you think Iron Man was. That, well, this one seems like it wants to be Iron Man, but doesn't quite make it. So comic books are filled with characters who invent, build, and use super science gizmos to provide them with their powers. Um, I actually liken this, and I could be wrong on this, but I liken this to Q. Really? Because you don't have to be the superhero that wears it or uses it. You just you give it to James Bond. Oh, oh, not not Star Trek Q, James Bond Q. Yeah, 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 yeah. James Bond. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. See, yeah. My bad. Right. Um, without their equipment, the characters have absolutely no superhuman powers at all. Some of these heroes are the inventors of the gadgets themselves, but many others are test pilots and special agents. Sure. Uh, so, okay, go ahead and roll your percentile. Right. Seven. Seven. Okay, you work for private industry. Roll again. All right. Who is he? Okay. 79. 79. You're the chosen operator or test pilot. So test you're, pilot. you're James Bond, you know, so somebody there else is go. making it for you. Character is a skilled test pilot or agent soldier who was chosen to field test a device for the purpose for which it was designed. It's a good idea of how it's supposed to work and is good at finding and adapting to its flaws and quirks. He's likely to have a background in police work, blah, blah. But the, but the key thing is, is he didn't make it. No. All right. So what's your status? Did you steal this thing? hell yeah 48 
48. Um, freelance test pilot in good standing. So no, you didn't steal oh, it. They're oh, like, hey, go, okay. go, go check it out. Go, 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 go run around out there with it. All right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, motive for creating the event in, in well, I invention. I didn't create it. So uh, yeah, but you know, why oh, was it created for it you? Created or created? Okay. 89. 89. Um, space or deep sea exploration or some other humanitarian purpose? Oh, you're trying to clean the oceans. There you go. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, let's let's skip. The, oh no, like we can't skip. Okay, what is it? Physical power appearance level. of power level superpowers. What is that? Well, no, no, we're we're here. We're down here. Okay. So what oh, is it? Okay, what is it? All right, all right, no. all right, all right. It is a Ot Seven. It's a backpack. It's a back. <laughs> Yay! You have a backpack. Or the explorer of deep space or the ocean <laughs> or whatever. I got my backpack. I'm sure there's a map in it. I'm good to go. <laughs> all right. So what is its power level? equal to and then i'll read this 82. one a little bit 82 which is equal to seventh level in power so let's okay. let's read what that means here the super inventions equivalent level of power is fixed and does not increase as a hero grows in experience why because it is a mechanical object yeah, that he's it, got it doesn't grow the super so i mean this is really cool for a low level character oh yeah it's it's the same thing as the ancient master you can start off above level one right yeah. but after that you're, you're probably not going to advance as quickly as anyone else or in this case at all uh see this the super abilities range duration damage and effects are forever locked at the equivalent level as rolled up seven's not bad all right let's um let's we're gonna keep we're gonna move on we're not gonna keep rolling everything here because i don't want this video to be as long as the last one but you guys see how this works again i think it's niche i think it already existed in hardware they could have just added like the backpack concept to the hardware character instead of making uh, a new physical category uh, but again, if you like in your game, if you're looking for Dora the Explorer, if you're looking for another way of coming up with uh, Iron Man, well, well, no, because Iron Man invented his own stuff. If you're looking to be a test pilot, I guess here's how you how you do that. Minor heroes, we're going to skip this one, but let me tell you what they are. They're sidekicks. So if for whatever reason, you don't want to be a full-fledged character and you want to have uh, lower maximums to your uh, physical attributes and you want less powers, do you play a minor hero? There has to be a trade-off, right? There has to be something. No, no, the, there's the, no benefit. The, the idea of this is to play the sidekick, which I can find, again, in a certain type of campaign, this could be fun. Yeah, but, but most of the time, no. Right. It, it, to me, this works in a Doctor Who scenario where one player is the, the main guy is the Jedi, is the Doctor, and everybody else are sidekicks? Or in a one-on-one -on -one where Heathen Dog and I are playing with one Game Master where we're Batman and Robin or something like that? Sure, sure. Um, it's not bad. You're still functional. You're just not going to be as cool. Okay. Natural Genius. All right. This says Mega Hero, so why am I going to look at it? Because it... Uh, it... We're going to look at it quickly. If you thought that having extraordinary intelligence was a great superpower, well, let's take a look at this. Okay. The natural genius is a true savant among all the characters with mental faculties well beyond those of most heroes. They are clever opportunists, leaders, and masterminds of super beings. Most of these guys are going to be your supervillains. Copy that. All right. So let's look. Attribute bonus. This is the bonus. You roll normally, and then you get 1d6 plus 6 to your IQ. Wow. Now, I wouldn't even pick this without already having super intelligence. So chances are I've got an I've got a 20 intelligence, right? Let's just picking a number. I'm gonna get 1d6 plus six added on to that. ME 1d4 plus one MA 1d4. All added on there. The power of the intelligence. 
The natural genius excels at most subjects that involve ideas, imagination, and the world at large. While this may be most evident in characters' apparent knowledge of mathematics and sciences and book learning, the bottom line is the natural genius is a thinker. He finds the world fascinating and new ideas fun and intoxicating. All right, so what do you get for that? Uh, you get mental disciplines, which we'll look at, uh, uh, look at in just a moment here. You get four mental disciplines at first level. Plus one at level two, four, six, eight. So there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You have ten mental disciplines by the time your character is level thirteen. Let's just look at what I'll let Heathen Dog pick. Do you want analytic mind? Do you want find weakness, enhanced memory, clinical outlook, healing trance, iron willpower, mental toughness, mind over matter, a whole bunch of different ones, mystic blocker, uh, speed reader, sexual charisma, unnatural. Well, 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 stop, stop. Okay, stop. I've. I you you could have just said that. I, mean, I could have. The character knows how to attract, engage, and encourage the opposite sex, but both, uh, both personally and in group dynamics. Oh, so uh, your 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 fat friend is not going to be able to run, you know, to run interference on me. It's not going to work. You ah. gain an additional one d four plus one to your ma and plus one to your physical beauty. You also, already have a one d four plus one just by being alive. Now you get another one. Damn. Yep. This also adds 25% bonus to the skills of seduction, find contraband, dance, pickpockets, intelligence, interrogation, but only when dealing with the opposite sex. Leisure so. suit Larry. That's right. <laughs> I played those games. That was fun. Um, to, all of these give you bonuses of some sort. Um, the one that I thought he thought would pick because I didn't read that analytic one previously mind, was analytic mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. Un un until you said, you know, something better. <laughs> Yeah, right. All right. So rounding out other stuff, um, you get additional financial resources. By the way, um, I want to there's skills. Here we go. I want to look at the skills. Plus 30% skill bonus and available areas of learning. You already are a uh, PhD. Sure. This bonus Thanks. is limited. Now, this extra 30% bonus is limited to electrical estimate. Oh, for some reason I thought uh oh, escape artist forgery and intelligence only. Got it. Mechanical, medical, pilot related, rogue. Uh, science technical um other skill categories communication domestic espionage military blah blah blah, blah. Uh, wilderness fellow just don't appeal to the natural genius because you want to be inside where it's nice and warm comfy yeah I mean, furthermore the, the character world cannot world select world more world than world four world physical world skills world. ridiculous <laughs> right um with all phd level skill programs start and get the 30 percent phd level of education secondary skills sec 12 from any skill category and two from one and two yeah. skills at levels two, four, two, six, four. eight, ten, and twelve, and fourteen. Oh my god! You're constantly learning new things. Yeah. I would actually change personally. I would change this to one every level. Yeah, fair. It just seems weird to do two every two levels, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. skill advancement beyond ninety-eight percent. Oh, guess what? You're another one of those that can go past ninety percent, but only in all of these. Yeah, <laughs> only only in all of these PH only when all of these PhDs you have. That's it. That's all. Yep. Oh, only in those sure so all right Easy. so you you get the idea this is uh, if you add if you take this and add that power of i don't think you can but uh add the no no yeah you, you can't you don't get it you don't get superpowers with that super soldier we Am already I... have this an experiment there's a super Thank soldier you. option well this is refined because it says here is originally part of the experiment power category you can build uh, a super soldier character that option has now been expanded to a whole power category of its own so why? Well, again, we got the secret organization, nature of the procedure, chemical radiation. This really does give you the full bore of uh, what's his name? Captain America. Mm -hmm. 
Um, let's see the powers. Nature of the test subject. Let's see uh, current status. Yeah, where are the powers? Likelihood of replication. Don't By the way, it. you might not be replicable. No, it was an accident. Determine superability. Okay. There roll, it is. Go ahead and roll. All right, here we go. Here we go. And please roll high. Uh, 40's not that high. 40, well, the reason I want you to roll Major high is because... powers. That's good. Okay. Right, That's that is. Good. But g give me a 71 to 100. Okay. 96. Okay, 96. Latent psionics. Why yeah. did I want him to pick something different? Because most people in those Heroes Unlimited know what the superpowers are. Chemical enhancement is an alternative super soldier. Endoskeletal replacement. Remember when I said in the last video that we're going to look at rifts today? Well, he rolled latent psionic, unfortunately. Chemical enhancement is a juicer. Endoskeletal replacement is, is a... Borg. Bionics. And, and brain, brain implant is a crazy. Yeah, there you go. And they work just like... The bonuses aren't quite as high, but they work. You now have rifts in Heroes Unlimited. And I'm going to tell you this. This is a good thing. I like the juicer concept. I like the crazy concept. I'm glad it's brought over here. Optional, of course. But there they are. But he rolled let's late. Let's look at the juicer. Let's look okay, at chemical well, enhancement. Okay. So let's look at, uh, if I can find that here. Uh, where is it? Alternative types. Brain implant. Oh, nope. That's brain implant. Should be C right after. Yeah. Is it in alphabetical order? Probably. Chemical enhancement. There it is. <clears throat> All right. In man's search to create the ultimate human, it was inevitable sooner or later someone would turn to chemical enhancement. All right. Let's see oh, what you get. Oh, they do it now. What are you talking about? Super endurance. Add 66 times 10 to what? SDC. 66 hit points plus 1d6 to physical uh, and 1d6 to physical attribute. Physical endurance attribute. There we go. I can, I can talk. Can last 10 times longer than normal before feeling the effects of exhaustion. I don't know a lot of people that actually use that rule, but that is awesome for somebody who does. Mm -hmm. Can re remain alert and operate at full efficiency for up to five days without sleep. Dude, that would kill people. People, people start dying at five, but I think the longest anyone ever lasts was either 11 or 13 before they die. Wow. That's crazy. Um, at 2d6, a physical strength attribute and super soldier strength is considered superhuman. Not extraordinary, superhuman. There is a difference. And if especially, it's lower than 22. Yeah, it's, it's especially if you go into a high magic environment, uh, it goes, it becomes supernatural. And if it's lower than 22, make it a 22. Yeah. Add 2d4 times 10 to the speed attribute. Uh, here are your reflexes, plus 1d4, plus 1 to physical prowess, plus 2 attacks per melee. Whoa. Plus 4 plus on four an initiative. Awesome. Automatic, Automatic dodge, of course. Yeah, it's, it's juicer time. It's juicer yep. time. Cannot sleep without a sedative or tranquilizers. Oh, these are penalties. So yep. game masters, you've got to actually employ these things. Cannot yes. sleep without sedative or tranquilizers. Tends to be a bit jumpier. Anxious. Boredom is a constant enemy. Uh, saving through bonuses. Oh, plus six save versus mind control. Because why not? Plus, uh, get me down, man. My mind's moving. It's moving. Enhanced healing heals four times faster than normal. Twenty percent save versus coma and death. We're not going to read everything, but you get the idea. Right, Chemical when, abuse and strain on the body gives superhuman a short lifespan. It is the juicer. One d six plus six years. That's a lot longer. Well, it's also and, not quite as cool as well, the it's juicer. It's not quite as strong, but it's comparable. But you get yeah. to live like three times longer, at least. Uh, and it goes into detoxification as if it's the juicer. My friends, I, no, to be fair, though, I've actually always liked the juicer and crazy concept. I'm not a Rifts guy, but I really have always liked the concept of the juicer and the crazy. And I'm glad that it is here in uh, Heroes Unlimited. Uh, again, endoskeletal replacement is the Borg. And we already looked at the 
the crazy above. Buy the book and you'll find out more about uh, how does that make somebody a super soldier if that doesn't explain it to you just right there. Are you ready for Venom? Sure. Symbiotic superhuman. Okay, let's just skip to the, the fun stuff. Uh, background. Where did the symbiote come from? Go ahead and roll, Heathen Doug. 16. 16. The symbiotic organism fell from outer space because that's always yep. good. Or spawned inside an alien spaceship. You or got a face hugger. Alien villain. Awesome. You awesome. got a face hugger. Great. The symbiote. Ah, yep. There it is. Appearance. Yep. 78. 78. Mask like or. <laughs> Mask-like organism which bonds itself, uh, bonds to half of the face or head. Reduce physical beauty by 40%. Sure, why not? Yep. <laughs> um, symbiote's intelligence. Go ahead and roll on that one. God dang it. 14. It's a mineral. Regardless of what it may look like, the organism is some sort of living silicon-based life form. Has no thoughts and cannot communicate. Okay. Its lifespan is 1d6 times 100 years. So guess what? Longer than yours. Um, when when I die, it'll find a new body. Yep. So uh, let's. What is its? What's its food source? Oh, probably my brain. I imagine. I mean, I'm doing great so far, right? <laughs> Ninety. Oh, shiza. Ninety. Mental energy draws on bioelectrical energy say. generated by the brain, making the host thoughts a bit sluggish at time. Uh, yep. Okay, George. Reduce oh. all skills by five percent, including secondary. Sure. And the character sure. sometimes lapses into daydreams. You're that kid in school that was just like, huh? just looks out the window and just breezes out. <laughs> uh, benefits. Okay, well, you got to have some sort of benefit from this, right? Yeah, so far it's it's been all goose eggs. So Okay, well, it says roll 1d4 on this table. We're not going to do that. Just roll no, one we'll time. We'll just do once. 88. 88. Uh, eyes in the back of your head. You're My physical thing. appearance is already 40% below what it should be. Now I got eyes in the back of my head. Jesus, Hey, man. plus two to dodge, minus 1d4 to physical beauty, but eh, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm... And uh, now let's determine your super abilities. 93. Ooh. 93. Two major and two minor. Having to That's do really with good. speed. Oh. Specifically says having to do with speed. Super sonic speed. Uh, that's a major, and then a minor could be exceptional speed or exceptional physical prowess. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Yep. Go ahead and roll percent. At high velocity, whatever. I wouldn't get that one, but you know, <laughs> there. Give another percentile roll. Oh, one more. Okay. Yep. Ten. Oh, you lucked out. No damage or problems, but reduced to an ordinary person. So if you remove the organism, I'd like oh. you to roll again. Get a higher number. Oh, just what? Come on, man. It's the oh, only you... time I look. 48. 48. Surgery left physical scarring of physical deterioration. Reduced physical beauty again. But you get I'm... the point. Oh, no, but I, I get 60% of my original total back when the thing comes off. But then <laughs> I go. lose some more after that. That's The point awesome. is you could be lobotomized. Great. Yeah. All Great. right. Let's move on to the ancient weapons master. Question. Wasn't this in first edition? I don't recall. I, I, I never played first edition Heroes Unlimited. I could grab my book, but all right. So the weapons master, we're not going to spend any time on this. The weapons master is just a high level character at low level that can do a lot. This is a Jedi. This is uh, this is your uh, what's that bow? What are the Japanese bowmen called? I forget uh, the, that type of archery. This is somebody. This is Hawkeye. Okay. Useless without his weapon. Also, won't use anything other than his weapon. So don't give him a gun. He's not going to use it. 
Copy so, that. but really kicks ass and takes initials because he doesn't have time for names when he's using his weapon of choice. This is it, man. it, man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is that is that all of them? Did we get through all of them? Yeah, we, we got did. through all. Now we're on the super abilities. Yeah. Not going to really look at them. There are only like five new ones in this book. Um, you can check out what they are, and there's your character sheet. So that's it. That's all of the new. Uh, new power categories. Like I said, I, I don't want to say this book is useless. It's not useless. It is meant for niche campaigns. If you, it is not one of my favorite books out there. I would rather pass it, you know, leave it than take it. With that said, that's just based on me and my style of play. If you look at this and say, you know what, this adds a lot more niche capability, like that, like the um, the eugenics one. I can understand right. that. I, I I could see you using that. If for whatever reason you want to play the Gestalt superhero, don't be at my table. <laughs> okay, like it's just no. Um, but but I'm not mad that they exist. They're just not for me. Sure. So, um, do you have any? Uh, well, first of all, any comments, but also any any commentary about that book from you? Because uh, no, we are really. way late and over yeah, over time here. Yeah, but no, 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 nothing starred. So we should be good. Okay. Well, uh, that's. I hope you liked those overviews. I know they dove deeply, a little bit deeper into them than I normally would like to do for an overview, but that information in there was built for me to cover lots of different aspects of it. It's just the way it was. Next week is going to be Mutant Ad Astra, which is a supplement to the Mutant Year Zero series. So those of you who saw those, uh, was it Mutant Year Zero, Mutant uh, Gen Lab Alpha, Mutant Mechatron, and Mutant Elysium last year? Well, they have a fifth book out now, Mutant Ad Astra. Why is it an overview, not a deep dive? Because honestly, it's not like the other ones. It isn't necessarily as much its own thing as those games were. It is more of just a collaboration of all four of those games. And we're going to talk about that next week. All right. Um, yeah, if we don't have anything in chat, we're over here. Um, I appreciate the patience that people had. Uh, the, the first book, I didn't have to do book one and three. I could have just chose to do book one, but I thought it was important to show that there are tons of powers in those books. And I didn't want to do two separate videos because they just would have been the same thing. So, yeah, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken over an hour. Did it take over an hour for that first one? Yeah, for that first segment? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I didn't even realize that. So uh, I knew the I second one. Before, before four. Okay. And uh, you're you're done an hour and at least twenty minutes. Uh, well, I'm going to be mad when I see that because overview shouldn't take. Well, <laughs> no. there were there were there were a lot of powers to look. I mean, there were hundred hundreds of powers in there. So yeah. Um. Well, next week, don't worry, it's not going to take that long because Ad Astra doesn't actually have a lot to it. It's more of a setting than anything else. So that'll be. Okay. I look forward to covering that, and you're going to be covering. Uh, more creepy stuff with artifacts, yeah, artifacts and so forth. Alien devices, monsters, deities, you know, all of the, all of the N NPC items and creatures that you could find uh, during your investigations. Awesome. So let me put up the thank you screen for folks out there. I want to thank everybody for being here. Um, I'm actually starting to feel pretty run down right now. So I hope I am not relapsing. That would suck donkey balls, but uh, I'll let heathen dog give us words of wisdom out of here before I hit the outro. And I bid everybody a wonderful week. All right. So from the, from the heroes unlimited stuff, this book uh, powers book one, two, and three, the books are for the game master. It's for the game master to expand his world or narrow it as his vision sees it. So a lot of those powers, a lot of those, especially a lot of those uh, character classes 
have specific roles and go down a specific path. If his world goes down that path, you're running by his rules. You're doing that. You can find some wiggle room in there. There's plenty of powers, plenty of ways for synergy. Don't worry about it. You're going to have a good time. And for the Call of Cthulhu, the one thing we learned today, man, is knowledge, sure, is power, but all power corrupts absolutely every time. It's gross. <laughs>